Hi, hello. It's finally it. The season finale of Passive Pixels, a media catch-up podcast. I am killing myself because this time I'm doing a four-track edit. And spoilers, I don't survive the ending at all. Over here, we have basically uh, a gang war. We've got two Texans, we've got two Canadians, and I think by the end of it, no one wins. Except maybe you guys, because you guys can at least leave. I brought back Poot. I brought back the Canadian Patrick Warburton, Sam, and I have brought him back the moose. I was able to use my Hispanic powers and stereotypical ways to get him over the border. We got Dorian back. Wonderful. All three of you just cross talk, so no one understands anything you're saying. Go for it. Hey, guys, how's it going? Let's do it. Uh, okay, that fine. That's good enough. I was hoping that it would all just be at the same time and I would just <laughs> intermix it. No, screw it. I'll do it in the edit where all of you just become a complete cacophony of sound. The entire reason I got everyone here is that today the Green Knight came out and now I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to get people to talk about it too. Did I want to do a special episode and schedule all that out? No. Am I going to heavily limit how long this conversation goes? Yes. So this is just me wanting to do what I want to do, except still not wanting to edit more. So everyone, we've watched it today right within the last few hours right yes yeah, i'm fresh yep. yep okay perfect so let's go ahead and just get the easy stuff out of the way general impressions sam we'll start with you i think you were the no were you the earliest one to watch it yeah i watched it at like noon today how, how did you feel walking into the theater first off i know that you're in canada there is no freedom there it's been completely banned for years <laughs> going back into a theater how did that feel it was blissful very blissful very happy did you uh, take some holy water too did you like shake hands with the person giving you the ticket uh didn't shake hands but close enough oh yeah i forgot that's that's the, that's how all this started but <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, how how have you been during the pandemic theaters how has all this been affecting you with all that this is actually the first movie that i've been to since um the whole covid pandemic i oh think God. I think the last movie that I went to in theater was some some blue fast animal movie, which you know we don't no. need to we don't no. need to name. I was actually racking my brain thinking about that. I'm like, oh my god, that was it. The last thing I saw in a theater was a post credit scene from a from a blue little blue fast animal movie. And so yeah, but no, it it was surreal. My theater was I think there was maybe half a dozen people in there. I walk up to the outdoor box office, no one was there, so I'm like, "Oh, maybe it really is the end times already." But had to go in and get my uh QR code scanned because it's 2021 and that's how things work nowadays. And but no, it was it was it was wonderful. It felt like a second home. That QR code never works for me. I always have to put in the confirmation order, but because I'm also an old person, I like having my ticket stubs and keeping them. So even though yeah. I could have them scan the barcode, I still specifically go to the kiosk to get the ticket print out. Like I, I'm a stickler. Yeah, yeah, I refer to them as old man tendencies, and I have I have my own as well at times. But yeah, it, it was good to be back in a the theater, and it's we'll go into details later, obviously. But it was good to be back in a the theater for such a good movie. Speaking of good to be back fucking nailing these transitions dorian how are you yeah I, we heard that you died we heard that uh the mounties stopped you they stabbed you uh with just multiple apologies and uh i had to call some coyotes to get you across the border um now that you are over the border and uh you are safe you are in a place where we won't mention or else 
the Mounties and Trudeau will be after you and knocking on your door. Now that you were able to go into a freedom theater, how did that feel? How how was that going back into our church? <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, I've actually already been back to the theaters. This is probably the third movie I've seen in theaters now since it's been back open. But it was great. Obviously, again. you watched Fast Nine twice, right? Yeah, absolutely. Family, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really cool. Uh, it was, it's been great to be back in the theaters. It's obviously great to be back on the show. I apologize for my absence last week, but uh, I think it's a great uh, topic to be back on because, yeah, as Poot said, we'll get into it. But uh, this was a great little movie. All right, perfect. So we all know how we got here now. The Green Knight. I'll just go ahead and kick it off and then I'll kick it off to you guys as well the green knight um i i like it yeah it's a very good movie um i'm kind of sad that it took me figuring out the actual source material and all of that to make me kick up that extra level that i liked it more but i'm still really positive about it i'm just glad to see weird shit in theaters again instead of just the big loud action movies that usually feel like they're reserved for theaters i'm happy to give a 24 money again you know what we'll go ahead and go for sam how how did you feel about the green knight going into it walking out take us on the journey well it was no old by m night Shyamalan, but that's so not masterpiece yeah <laughs> no i i <laughs> i loved it it was totally my jam i knew immediately from like just like opening five to ten minutes the opening credits i was like immediately reminded of like mid like summer's opening credits a little and i was like same all right let's do this and first 10 minutes in i was just like i'm in and not entirely 100 percent sure on everything that happens in that movie just yet it's gonna take another watch or so mm. but like just the overall experience like just its tone and everything it's cool we need more cool shit like this <laughs> we don't deserve a24 we don't we deserve don't. it we don't deserve them dorian tell us how was this movie for you uh it was really cool like a good friend sam there said from the opening shot, you kind of just like, okay, let's go. Let's do this. Let's buckle in. This is going to be something cool. And it even starts off a little bit, dare I say, campy almost in the way. You kind of get some funny little moments. And then you kind of get, oh, are we going into spoilers, by the way? Sorry, I should. Eh, we'll, we'll keep it vague for now. Okay. And then at some point, okay. we'll have a cutoff point. Okay. So that just that kind of opening scene where you first see the Green Knight and he first appears, kind of everything just goes silent. You're like, okay, now we're getting going. And it's just from that point on, the movie kind of kicks off and goes into a pretty cool pace. Like Sam said, there's definitely going to be a rewatch in my future. Um, I did read like a little bit of like interpretations of it. And I do think the ending is ambiguous enough that you could, uh, you know, interpret the movie a couple of different ways, which I always do appreciate, especially with types of movies like that. And yeah, just good to see more A24 stuff out there. Please don't get bought by Apple for the love of God. Oh, wait, is that, a, is that a conversation? Yeah, that's a rumor. Yes, it is. <sighs> okay you know what fine i'll redeem apple plus fine fucking apple well the good thing is that target and playstation are giving it to me so fine Ugh. <laughs> uh, please wash the idea of apple away from me with your thoughts about the green knight i finished off an apple earlier today so it's gone now you don't have to worry about that oh thank god okay we're a strawberry household here we got some bananas we got watermelon okay yeah, it was it was a honey crisp too so it was high quality apple um yeah, this movie I was I was very impressed by because 
it was a little bit different than what I was expecting. It's hard to really go into detail why without spoilers, but yeah, I was very, very impressed by all of the visual storytelling going on and all of the metaphors at play and and how that all played out. But yeah, I was very, very impressed. My expectations were met and they were probably pretty damn high. I know we're all huge fans of A24 films here. And when you see that A24, you're just like, you know that, okay, this is going to be not only quality, more often than not, but it's going to be different. So yeah, I really, really enjoy this movie, especially, and this is probably echoed by everyone here, the the last, I don't know what you would say, five minutes or so, 10 minutes mm-hmm. maybe, is outstanding. And it just really caps off the uh, theme of the, as I said, the visual storytelling and the metaphors at play. So, All right, perfect. We are under 10 minutes, which means that if anyone clicked into this, congrats. We, I tricked you into hearing about a good movie for once. Ha, go watch it. That's Look, we already got the non-spoiler ideas. Go watch it. We're done. Come back here if you liked it. Hell, if you even fucking hated it, come back and then hate listen so you can just be like, these people don't understand. Fucking hated the green man. There was no green man. All I saw was a tree man. Whatever. Okay. Now I feel like we can go into spoilers. Uh, Look, I'm just going to start really surface level. I love the fox. The fox is just... I was just beaming the entire time I was staring at this fox. Yeah. Has anyone seen Lars von Trier's Antichrist? Oh. <laughs> yes. Not, not, the, not the first talking fox I've seen in a movie. Yeah, <laughs> so th- was, this fox was more yeah. delightful. This fox, yeah, this <laughs> fox was more helpful and did not try to bite uh, Willem, you know, Death Patel as it did Willem Dafoe in that movie. But um, I don't even know where to begin exactly with this movie because it, while on like a like face value, you can sum up the plot points and if a lot of either the conversations that happen between the characters he meets along the way, or a lot of it's just, can't remember who said it now earlier, but just through visual storytelling and metaphors and stuff. Because like the ending in particular was like that flash there that he saw at the very end, this like flash before his eyes, before the axe came swinging down. It was like just entirely no dialogue. And I really love that. You could just kind of, I love when films can just show you something and it doesn't need to be explained with anything except for maybe like a facial expression or a visual metaphor or anything like that. Because then the filmmaker understands that, oh, my audience isn't stupid. They can look at something and figure it out without having to be spoon fed. Yeah, it, it's also that, hard to do. Like you, you need like a really yeah. good director and a really good actor to pull something like that off. And those two together mesh together so well, and they managed to pull that off at the end. Mm-hmm. In my brain, that scene when his girlfriend is giving birth, and you have having his face shadowed, and then just turns away, and you just see his side profile completely shadowed. I was like, oh. Oh, I'm so glad that you're not saying this. I just need this visual storytelling and I love it. Mm-hmm. And then when he just drops the coins and then leaves, it, it's brutal. See, I've never seen a just literally seconds postpartum woman crawl on the floor after her baby. And, um, well, thank you, David Lowry, for putting that image in my head now. <laughs> yeah and i don't it's brutal and to speak to that scene specifically now that you mentioned it i I can literally picture it in my head i don't know again with all the visual storytelling going on if you notice the money literally lands on the blood stain so in a way it really is blood money because it's his blood right yeah so we could go into literally dozens and dozens especially after a rewatch but i think the sign of 
why I like this movie so much is because the more I'm thinking about it and the more I'm hearing you guys talk about it, I like it more and more. Yeah. Dorian and I think Edwin brought up um, Dev Patel. He does such a good job of vulnerability in this movie because it really isn't a really dark, twisted kind of atmospheric ethereal way is kind of a coming of age to some degree like he you know he goes on his journey and learns a lot of lessons about knighthood and honor and and all of these various qualities and he does such a good job of, of that kind of vulnerability and you believe him when he's afraid or when he's being kind or when he's during later on in the movie when he's in this kind of um montage sequence when he's a real bastard and asshole um yeah you believe you believe all of that um mm-hmm. And it, it speaks to his quality as an actor because I really haven't been that exposed to him extensively, but he's never been like straight up bad. But I think this is definitely his favorite performance of mine. Going to put him on uh, some radars, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, was he not Zuko in the last Airbender movie? <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I swear if you bring that shit back up, I'm sending you to the <laughs> I'm sorry, you're my fellow countryman, but you're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, order Texas. This movie made me forget about that until I saw old, but um, oh, man. yeah, in any other movie, his character would be more in a traditional sense, this brave and stoic character where this director, uh, David Lowry, decided to show a very weak, kind of irresponsible and not clearly not someone who it almost seems he didn't really want to be a knight at times like there's just like so many moments in this movie where during the sequence there with the ghost lady at the house and she asks of like ask him a favor he's like oh what do i get in return and you know in a more traditional chivalry kind of cliche knight it'd be like oh i'll do anything i'll help out you know whoever he does get something in return but uh i like that little line she cracks at him for asking for something <laughs> and uh even the moment when he gets robbed by uh those uh bandits there early on in the film like usually and I, I think in like most other situations in another film typically that scene would be where like oh this is where we show how badass the character is with a sword and then this guy just gets tied up and thrown loses the axe his horse gets taken and that was only like a day into his journey so that scene, I'm not going to lie, it just brought back up the same anger that I felt at the beginning of Majora's Mask, where I was just like, who is this woodland fuck that is screwing with a character that I like and stealing my horse? Like It just infuriated me, and it doesn't really help that I hate Barry Keegan already. Oh, like, what? I, I, his I face. I, yes, his exactly. Face. Every single time I look at his face, I'm just like, you think you are better than everyone in every single room you look in, while at the same time smelling your own farts and not realizing they aren't. Like, I just can't stand him. I look at his face, and every time I see it, it ruins everything for me. Have so, you? Oh. Oh, <laughs> I was just—I yeah. was gonna say, have you seen uh, *Killing of a Sacred Deer*? Yes, I hate him. I what? Fucking oh hate him. man! <laughs> yeah. Every time I see his face, I just want to punch him. Like he's honestly. not. He doesn't. He doesn't have a great face, but I'll give him. <laughs> I'll give. I'll give him credit for uh, *Killing of a Sacred Deer*. He was great in that. He is, but like, it's (laughs) still like, I just look at him and I'm like, I don't think I can take you seriously. I just look at you and you're, uh, I don't know, store brand Matt Damon. Like, I don't know, like young store brand Matt Damon. I just look at him like, I can't stand your face. So him in that role, I was like, ah, I feel the anger in me. And not only that, the fact that 
Dev Patel takes the wrong lesson from that, and fucking Barry Keegan's like, hey, can I get something for my kindness? And Dev's like, no. And the fact that he goes to the ghost immediately after and learns the wrong lesson and asks the ghost, oh, what's in it for me? Like, do you not have self-awareness right now? Like, you <laughs> are being an asshole right now. You just got robbed by the person who asked the same shit. Yeah, and I was going to say with... Barry Keegan's a great casting too, because if you're just riding your horse down the road and you see him like scavenging for stuff, like yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna trust that guy. I right, no, I wouldn't trust him at all. Because looks like a rat. Yeah, yeah. Because you look at him, and you're like, yeah, he's either like a serial killer or he's part of a gang or something, right? And so, do you know what he does look like? Mm-hmm. A pussy ass snitch. That's what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. Well, technically, now- he was. He was a pussy snitch in this movie. Uh, I put this in my little notes too. He was an example of just a really, really good supporting cast that I had no idea was in this movie. Yep. Um, with him yep. and you know Sean Harris and the Game of Thrones people, you know Ralph Innocent and I forget the other woman's name from. Uh, I think she's in The Witch as well, right? Yeah, she's uh, Cat's sister. I can't remember her name. Yeah, from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just a really good supporting cast. Katie Dickey, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Kate, Kate Dickey. Dickey. Yeah. Right. And then honestly, I think even more so than um, Ex Machina, this is probably my favorite Alicia Vikander performance. Really, she's playing, I think, two or three roles in one at times mm-hmm. um, throughout this movie. I was just very, very impressed. There's that one scene where she has that monologue um, inside the house when it's at night and they're kind of, I think they're kind of sitting there by the fire. The blood and green speech. Yeah. yeah. It's like this very yeah. ominous, the way her, uh, her face looks, it's very ominous and foreboding. It's very very effective honestly you um, could have put her behind uh like a crystal ball and that scene would have worked perfectly yeah it did the movie's so well acted by like the main cast and then just the supporting cast there wasn't one person at a place there like even you know i want to punch barry in the face but even he was really well cast in that role oh no he's perfect i mean he's an asshole here he has the face of an asshole like it fits yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so i just have a tab open for the green knight because of course we were discussing how a24 just doesn't advertise their movies you know Uh, truthfully and i love that right now it's sitting at a perfect two and a half stars from google (laughs) um just it's pretty much just mixed between fives fours three twos and then half of it is just ones and yeah I just think it's fucking funny seeing that because uh, if somehow anyone actually did listen to me and they left for spoilers, I'm pretty sure at this point, if they're back, um, they're probably thinking the same thing. Um, So I did want to jump over to the actual explanation as well, because I think, you know, that's probably useful. Did you guys already read the thing that Alexis in the Discord had posted? Yeah. Yeah. That was really helpful, actually, to me. That was. I didn't read all of it because I think I'm going to read, I'm going to wait till for a rewatch to really um, comprehensively read the whole thing. But I, I did skim through it and I kind of got the, the bullet points of what it was going for. All right. So just because if anyone's listening and someone actually did watch it and someone liked it, I'll go ahead and try and sum it up as much. Of course, The Green Knight is based on a poem of, I, I'm going to screw up the pronunciation, even though I heard it over and over and over again. Gwen, is that right? Godwin. Well, there's. It's funny actually. He, it's pronounced multiple ways in the movie. I don't know if you noticed that because right. there is no actual one way to pronounce it. Nobody knows. Okay, so now here's the thing. I myself am just like broke deaf. Like my brain for some reason just cannot parse out language. So watching this movie with accents and just <laughs> I, and no subtitles, like I missed 
half of the words being said. <laughs> yeah, my and that's another reason I want to rewatch is the audio in the theater I saw it in was not ideal. I don't know if they were kind of playing around with like the the English or maybe the Gaelic pronunciation or what have you, but I heard it mostly pronounced as uh, Gawain. Oh yeah, that's what it is. That's probably what yeah. it is. Yeah, I think most of us have uh, traditionally said Gawain, which mm-hmm. does sound kind of dorky, but. Yeah, that that was one thing I picked up on. I think you're right. Mostly that's how they pronounce it, but they definitely do pronounce it a couple of different ways in the movie. And uh, I think the director even actually said, I was reading a little interview with him after that he specifically did that a couple of different times because he didn't even know what the correct pronunciation is. So I thought that was kind of a neat little nod to it. So Sir Gowan and the Green Knight is the original poem that the movie is based on. In the poem, he has a shield with five stars. And apparently for knights, knights are supposed to have five virtues that they're supposed to keep as a knight. They have to worry about friendship, generosity, chastity courtesy and piety so each section of the movie is a reflection of this and personally i before even knowing this i walked out of the theater and just went that was some cool shit it was pretty much hey we have a starting point this is your quest and then after this we're just going to have random D campaigns and then we're just going to get to the ending and you're going to have a good time and i was thinking okay cool I don't think I need anything deeper if it's just going to have cool shots and it's going to be weird. Sure, why not? But it wasn't until I read those five things that it made me understand the movie. So let's go ahead and just use that as our guiding tool. Let's go ahead and start with friendship, which apparently is supposed to be the fox. This is going to be really simple. He sees the fox, throws a rock, tells the fox to fuck off. The fox goes, no. And he goes, all right, we're cool now. I mean, this is actually the only one that he passes. <laughs> yeah. At the end, though, doesn't he swing the axe at the fox? Yes. Uh, he does this... tell the fox he... to leave. Yeah, he kind of does tell the fox to fuck off at the end. Yeah. Uh, but is that still the fox? Because I kind of thought that the fox was being controlled. I thought it. I, my, thought, yeah. I thought he was being controlled the entire time. I saw this with my brother today, and he brought up. He asked me, "Was was the mother his fox?" Yeah, that's what for I thought a short too. Time, like, because like she was, like, oh. it was like a, it was a warning before he went into the chapel. Because I think they kind of knew that he's gonna die if he goes in there and fulfills his quest. Uh, so uh, what was going on with the, the mom? Uh, yeah, that's actually funny because we I just realized we jumped uh, way ahead. But yeah, this whole kind of starts because his mom started this whole thing. Yeah, essentially. Did they all just summon the Green Knight for some yeah. reason? Like, what was the reason? Like, I don't know if they wanted to test him or test Arthur's men, but they definitely wanted to test somebody and see who was brave enough to take the challenge is my assumption. I want to say they they probably wanted to see. I'm going to screw up the name again. I had... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, Sir Gowan. Oh, yeah, there we go. Trying to test to see if he was worthy of being king yeah. since he was the only like heir to the throne, it seemed. Yeah, that that's my thought too. Because she uh, even even in that conversation before he goes, she's like, You will return, right? So mm-hmm. it's like she almost knew this was gonna happen and she wants to test him. So I mean, good for her for knowing that even though her son lied to her about not being at the whorehouse and instead was at church <laughs> overnight, yeah. she's like, No, he's still a good boy. I know he's gonna do the right thing at the end. <laughs> Mother's love knows no bounds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to eventually read the the kind of the source material as much as it is, but it did remind me a little bit of Macbeth. You have these kind of like witchy older women characters, you know, kind of like double toil and trouble type of stuff. Um, but again, I'm not familiar with the source material, but that that is what it did call to mind. Um, and the queens, if you remember, the queen kind of 
got possessed when she was when she opened the letter and started reading it and that kind of reminded me of the fox so i don't know if maybe that was the same type of fantasy superpower going on at play there um, yeah i think the fox um like you said it definitely represents friendship but i'm not sure what the powers were at play there but it was interesting for sure yeah i think it's because of the queen being possessed that it makes me think that the fox was also a possession because i really do think that the fox was just smart like i really do think that the fox was just like hey you're human you're probably gonna give me food we're friends now and Deb Patel's like, okay, cool, I guess we're friends. Like, I just, for some reason, like the interpretation where the fox is just a cool guy and not being possessed the entire time to help him out on the quest. I think, generally speaking, in fables and parables and stuff, foxes are usually associated with being kind of duplicitous and deceitful, right? So you can definitely play into, hey, entrusting, in this case, a type of character that is traditionally not trustful as i said they're usually characterized by being deceitful creatures so i mean that works perfectly for the movie because people are supposed to trust knights but then you see that patel <laughs> yeah and then there's that scene where um i forget exactly how it plays out but he rescues um the fox from joel edgerton who's oh by the way he's also in this movie he's he's good oh. so as soon as yeah. he dropped the fox out of the bag i smiled again i was like oh no he's about to die yeah i thought the fox yeah, was dead exactly Oh my god, I was so I could sad. It, I could see the fox kind of wriggling around in the back, so I'm like, oh, yeah, I thought he was going to let him go and then like kill him or something with an arrow or a sword, but no, it was it was good. I was probably going to maybe drop a tear or two if they killed the fox. <laughs> like, I really was just really invested in that fox way too much. Yeah, I mean, it's like, spoiler alert, the, neither the horse or the fox died, right? It's like a miracle. Oh god. Well, yeah, like I, like I said before the recording, David Lowry is a vegan, so he was very, very friendly to the animals. I just, I see a horse on screen. I'm like, oh, when are you going to die? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. From the video games we've played too, right? We just wait around for the horse yep. to die. <laughs> the horse, I just it. accept. Like at this point, yeah. like yeah. I saw, like, I still <laughs> remember season one of Game of Thrones when the mountain literally chops a horse's head off. Yeah. Like it's only a matter of time. Those things have a ticking clock before they become glue. Yeah. It's, it's like the uh, wrestling table or the, the announcer's tables in wrestling. You're just waiting for them to destroy. It. And also, um, I meant to say this earlier, but to the five points thing, I believe at the center of the round table on the floor is a five pointed star. It is. And there's oh. blood on it, which um, that's got to be symbolism. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I think friendship. Can we agree that he passed that one, or do you really think that maybe him telling the fox to fuck off at the end is it? Because, like, I think that's still a pass. I think, like, once a fox becomes possessed, it's like, yeah, I don't think that one, you know. I don't think it, it will break terms and conditions if you tell him to fuck off at that point. I have to rewatch it, but I, I honestly think my personal theory is that he fails all. So if I'm sticking yeah. with that, I'd have to say that he would fail friendship as well. But I would have Be to rewatch it. Yeah, before I read the uh, the interpretation and analysis of like a lot of the film's trials and meaning and all that stuff, I had a very different interpretation of the ending that will get to eventually that I originally had, but now I'm a little conflicted and now I need to watch this movie again. It's one of those. <laughs> Speaking of watching again, I know I'm probably going to have to watch it because, well, one, I'm deaf, and two, <laughs> I realize that my theater room is finally better than an actual theater. Like, my theater room was better. I was watching this in the normal theater, not Dolby Atmos, so I just kept watching, and I was like, huh, sound is a little bit quiet. Like, it was only whenever a door closed that I was like, oh, that sounded good. The, the room is huge, so the acoustics are being used. This is great. And then everything else, I was like, 
oh man, this is a really dark picture. I can't really tell what's going on. But if I had it in 4K HDR on my OLED, I'd be able to tell everything. So and subtitles and subtitles. Oh my god. So it's sad to me now that I realize that. Yeah, I don't even think I have to watch it at home to know that I've already succeeded. And it almost makes me a little bit sad because it means that no A24 movie is ever going to show up in the Dolby Atmos theater. Like, it never is. Yeah, Falcon One just, day. Uh, One day, maybe. Oh, my God. <laughs> A24 and their period pieces that need subtitles, right? Yeah. <laughs> Between oh, this yeah. and The Witch. Can you how many? I heard House. so many people. Yeah, in The White House. Yeah, I heard so many people that were so mad at The Witch. They're like, I didn't understand half what they were saying. Oh, the Witch was so oh. funny. Lamb is going to have subtitles, so don't worry. Oh, that's, that's good. <laughs> Lamb is going to be the next one that we're all going to champion, right? Yes, I can't wait for that. I'm excited. <laughs> I didn't even see the trailer for that. I saw one picture on Twitter of what the film is, and I was like, oh my god, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. <laughs> Sam, they had a trailer for it, at least it's before wild. my showing, and I was like, oh, it's the Lamb movie. Okay, we'll see how much of a meme this is. And by the time I got to the end, I was like, "Oh fuck!" You know what? I'm really invested in this lamb human baby. Yeah, <laughs> these fucking Norwegians. What are they doing? It takes a direction you do not expect. <laughs> oh, I'm sold. Wow. Friendship. Uh, you know what? We're oh, you know, Dorian. You're the only one that answered. Sam Poot. Either one of you, fight it out and tell me which where you land. I'm so stuck. I think I. I'm just gonna say for now. I don't think he passed any of the trials as we move forward in this conversation. I'm. Kind of yeah I'll, I'll get more um in depth as my ultimate conclusion but yeah i think he mm. fails most everything i mean he probably does which is part of the story but yeah we'll get to it later all right uh generosity obviously Bar- barry keegan is out here he's like hey man uh that's north over there there's a river uh there you go and then Dev patel goes thank you and of course this man has said hey both of my brothers are dead i'm pretty much just out here i'm a broken person can you help me a little bit and he's like uh, i i said thank you what more do you need from me <laughs> this is just an automatic fail right like obviously like yeah. this is the man gets his horse robbed he gets all of his shit broken he cuts his hand out of this this is just an automatic fail right yeah yeah it's pretty bad i mean the only defense i'd give him is after looking at that face for more than 30 seconds i might want him to pay me some money i agree so maybe if you tried to use that well, but... and and part of it too is i was thinking about this as that kind of scene and the consequences were playing out i think he would have been betrayed regardless yes how nice he was so i'm like okay i'm not entirely sure what the ultimate uh, lesson was for that to me i think like Dev patel could have probably been less cold towards him you know oh, for sure. there's just okay so yeah, look Everyone knows that person that could have been the school shooter, so you're just like a little extra nicer to them, so whenever they actually show up, they send you a Snapchat saying, hey, don't show up tomorrow, you're one of the good ones. Thanks, Chief. You know, exactly. Like, Barry Keegan is the school shooter. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Hold on, hold on. I just realized you said, thanks, Chief. (laughs) You don't even report it to the cops, you just go, thanks, Chief. I'll stay home and play Halo. (laughs) 
No snitching. I guess the I guess the lesson is for Dev Patel. You can still be you can still be friendly and generous to a stranger, but you don't have to necessarily fully trust them. If that makes sense, right? Yeah. Like if I gave money or food to a homeless person and they said, "Hey, go right around the corner over there," you know, the special way around to get around the neighborhood. Oh, okay, sure. I'm going to go blindly do that. No, well, you probably probably wouldn't, right? You're probably going to yeah. stick to the path that you're familiar yeah. with. So give um, them some money, be nice, and then just go the way I was going to go because it's obviously a trap. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think it's one of those scenes you can kind of just look at and different ways you also shouldn't just trust people who are stealing stuff off dead bodies probably either yeah and don't trust them. and don't, don't trust tr- anyone that looks like don't trust, yeah, yeah. don't trust anyone dta don't, yeah i mean honestly that might be the lesson here be generous but don't trust yes yeah, exactly <laughs> Like be nice, yeah. but just be ready to have your sword if anyone tries to fuck you over. You're going to be a knight. You're going to be super trusting, but you still need to have like at a moment's notice to make sure that you stay alive. Agreed. All right, uh, chastity. Ooh. Um, Ooh, big failure. total failure. Total yeah, absolute <laughs> absolute failure. There was comp on screen. Absolute failure. <laughs> big fail. Yeah, I, I I I cannot emphasize how much I did not need to see that. i'm not gonna lie i did because i was under the impression that they were actually fucking so whenever i saw it in his hand i was like oh she's jerking him off never mind yeah and i guess there's symbolism to to using that protective belt and i think he what was the phrasing they said anything i forget what they said exactly anything above or below it he was protected from so i think there's there's symbolism there as well but yeah that was that was definitely uh that was a loaded image uh to put it mildly i don't remember mostly because you know death and all so there's so much of the actual dialogue that i missed where i just went Oh, belt. Uh, you got God of War runes inside of it, and it's going to protect you. Okay, that's that's really all I got. I don't. Re- Do you guys remember he, anything about that? He got a, a similar scarf at the beginner beginning of the film from his mother, did he yes. not? And then that was yes. stolen. And then it got later, stolen, and then she made yeah, him a new one. Yeah, she has maybe the line of the movie here, though. That's snarky. Uh, you're not a knight. I thought that was great. Yeah, I I love that. That was <laughs> yeah. that was perfect. It was a great line. <laughs> yeah, there was there was actually a couple lines in the movie that like. I was not expecting to get a, like a chuckle out of me. Or yeah, laugh. the theater actually got a good laugh out of that one. It was a full house, so they yeah, liked that no, one. Nice. They had people. Yeah, they had, had full like, house. I had like two other people. Oh, Dude, I'm there proud. was like two people in front of me, two people behind me, and I think two people left after like forty minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best. I love that. Dude. Well, it's funny when the movie ended. There was a. It was full, and there was a people right ahead of us. And the guys were like, "Well, that was a waste of fucking time." Like, there's that a twenty four marketing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I. Okay, this is just a tangent, but it just reminded me of when I went to go watch the killing of a sacred deer. I went. I watched it. I got out of the theater. I got into an elevator with the same person that was in the theater, and he just looks at me right before we get off. He's like. The fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at him and I just gave him like a shoulder shrug, like, oh, <laughs> not the same experience, but when I saw Darren Aronofsky's mother, everyone like, oh, God. was best gone. theater experience ever yep. is watching yep. people watching that movie, yep. especially during that one scene. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking oh, about, yeah. but that one scene, just watching the look of utter, like, what the fuck did I just pay money? I'm surprised to people stayed that long in my screening. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. at the at the theater I frequented, um, I would chat up the box office people, and they would say that people would walk out like an hour in mother and just request uh, a refund immediately, which I love. Like, I I love that movie. It's so utterly oh, it's ridiculous. So good. Yeah. I love Darren Afonso yeah. in general. He's a great. Me filmmaker. too. 
there is no subtlety to that movie, and I fucking love it. And I also just remember having almost a fucking panic attack seeing that house get destroyed. I was just like, oh my god, stop, stop. Like, I I just wanted Jennifer Lawrence to pull out a fucking gun and just start shooting people. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we we could do a whole episode on that movie, but yeah, it was basically Aronofsky having, like, an anxiety attack and a fever dream at once. (laughs) basically what it was fun fact the movie i've seen the most people walk out of was that team america world police that's because because i swear to god there was no less than eight families in that fucking movie and i'm like what are you people what are you people doing and and by the way all it took was everyone has aids and i swear to god it was like at least 10 families walking the fucking opening has america (laughs) you're telling me the parents didn't go huh those puppets just said the naughty word That's, that's like that's like a normal normal America, right? At least in Texas, everyone. That's like when you get, wake up in the morning, it's the first thing you say. I thought that was normal say, American uh, behavior. Yeah, yeah, you say America, fuck yeah, and thank God. That's and then you like <laughs> brush your teeth or something. I I shotgun the floor and then I say God bless America. There we go. <sighs> yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, okay. What are we talking about? Oh, chastity, right? Yeah, yeah. chastity. Uh, <laughs> fail. Fucking failure. Failure. I don't even have to ask oh, everyone. Failure. Utter failure. <laughs> Utter failure. Good, good for him. Good for yeah. him. <laughs> Uh, look, at least he came before he got his head chopped off. All right, whatever. Moving on. Yeah. Courtesy. Uh, courtesy. The ghost. Uh, the ghost who is standing near the lake and goes, hey, can you pick up my head? And he's like, bro, I don't do shit for free. And she's like, are you kidding me? You're supposed to be a knight. And he goes, fine, I guess I'll do it. And he grabs the head. He wakes up. And at least his axe is back. He was able to get some of his loot back. The pass, right? This is a pass. Slight pass, I guess. It's a sl- it's a slight pass, but then you also like again in, in reading that post, you got to remember what happens later on with uh, with the guy and the, and the host, right? I still need that explained because even when I read it, I was still confused by it. Then again, I think it's probably me and my dialogue problem. Well, he basically made a deal that anything you get in this house, you need to give me back, right? And I mean, at the end of the day, he kind of does get a hand job from her. Mm. So oh. courtesy would be to give it. Is back that why he get, why he kissed him or? Yeah, like that's must... where that was going. Was my assumption. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I kind of wish I heard that part. I'm pretty sure my ears. No, it wasn't even my ears. It, my brain just went. Yeah, that wasn't language. Just get, just throw that out. Like move the brain. I'm watching a movie. It was important. Yeah, that's probably it. Uh, <laughs> jump in, free for all from here. Go. How, anything courtesy or is it just? kind of are we gonna say that it was a failure this one he's the closest one to passing he's the closest one to passing this one in my opinion yeah he's definitely the closest one to passing yeah Um, i mean considering he got woken up in the middle of the night and then had to jump into a lake like it's pretty good oh i forgot about the lake what okay the pond or whatever whatever yeah not really a lake it was was a nice sequence yes red like when it goes all red and he's just kind of swimming it's such a gorgeous shot that red moment made me realize that was the moment i went oh man i kind of wish i was watching this at home like that was the moment where i was like ah this red doesn't really look right and uh i'm just lamenting now that theaters have died for me now (laughs) at least non dolby atmos theaters like the dolby atmos theater i'm still not matching up to that and even when i get my 11.2 i'm still not going to match up to it so that's safe courtesy probably a failure because of the host and getting a hand job whoops piety yeah uh, uh, a failure failure utter failure 
the of course we have the beginning where he is in a whorehouse and he's like oh i don't want to go to church which by the way there's always that moment in a movie where they try to get you to like the character that was my moment because i just know growing up never wanting to go to church so that was the moment where i was like i like this guy but utter failure right i'd much rather spend time in the brothel than going to church so i i feel him <laughs> there but yeah it's definitely a failure he doesn't show a good relationship with god like i said he isn't acting out of goodness or out of a desire to be good he just believes that he will become a knight because that's his birthright mm-hmm. pretty much it's weird i haven't seen a movie in a while that's left me like a little bit like i don't know if i was like trying to look for different things mm. in this movie or something and like Parts of it, there's just very, like, surreal moments in it, right? I just got lost in its visuals. And, like, like the, the editing in this movie, before I forget to mention this, really great to go yes. along with the cinematography and everything else. Oh, my God, yes. And, and can we give a shout-out to the yeah. visual effects, too? They were so yes. great. Like, the, yes. how, the, how, the, how the Green Knight himself looked. And then we haven't even talked about the giants that appear. I still don't know if that <gasps> was a mushroom trip or not, but that was such a oh, cool scene. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. If that was... A mushroom trip or not? Nah, was, the, uh, the giants were real. Yeah, yeah I think I so like too. I like I like to think. Yeah, but it was I so like, cool. Like the just oh, it was such mm, a cool scene. Okay, I think that was all the five topics. So we kind of nailed that already. At this point, it's just free for all. I actually really love the way that the movie handles weirdness because it feels like it just takes a little bit of time. Where I'm like, okay, we're kind of getting way too grounded, and then that's when the Green Knight shows up, and I'm like, ah, okay, good. We're getting the weird shit reintroduced, because if you don't introduce the weird shit too early on, by the time that they introduce it, it's like, ah, man, this feels like it's out of nowhere. We're already too grounded. Like, they pace that out so well. You got the Green Knight, you got the Ghost, you got probably a way too smart fox but hey i'm just i like thinking that he's real instead so i love the way that they pace that out and when you get to the giants i was like oh man um i'm thinking about Drakengard. i probably shouldn't be thinking about this right now but like just looking at the giants is like this is fucking cool like i'm just so impressed with the mysticism because i really thought that was going to be something that as soon as they introduced it i would be rolling my eyes but no David Lowry did fucking great with it. Cool is a very good word for that movie. There were so many times where I was just like, man, this is a really cool sequence. And I don't know. The movie the movie to me has called classic written all over it. Like absolutely it does. does. As far as like the mysticism, they do ramp up to it a little bit, right? Like with his mother and that little like den of witches when they're doing their rituals and stuff. So they do like show some kind of background. It seems like they basically do like an incantation to create the Green Knight, it seems like. Right. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it was my. Um, that's what I got. They do kind of ramp up to it. He doesn't just like. I don't want to say he doesn't just mag- like he doesn't appear out of nowhere, right? I mean, he literally magically appears. But um, so they do. <laughs> uh, they do yeah. kind of allude to like supernatural forces, which I think is pretty cool when you're going to lean into the weirdness like that. A large part of me was thinking that the whole prayer thing, like before the Green Knight shows up, I was thinking, oh, I guess they're just. I don't know, maybe wishing well for the kingdom. I I don't know. Like, is this a prayer? And then that's when the Green Knight shows up. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, there we go. There's the weird shit. Yeah. And then the letter, like I said, it reminded me a little bit of um, Macbeth. But I think when you guys brought up the Giants as well, it reminded me of how well he did restraint in this movie. Like, there isn't really gratuitous violence. Like, even the beheadings are not, you know, by beheading standards, they're not 
necessarily that bad or gratuitous. Um, mm-hmm. There really isn't much other violence in the movie. There's no uh, nudity either. Yeah, no, not really. Yeah. Like the, the giants, yeah. that like yeah. the nudity, it's very restrained, um, which I really, really respected. You would think like a movie that is at times as weird and really surrealist as this movie is, it would really lean into a lot of really gratuitous and over-the-top stuff in terms of actual content, but it never does that. And that's just a testament to the general filmmaking i think generally yeah when i saw in canada that the movie's only rated 14a because we have a different rating system than you guys in america yeah uh, mm-hmm. but when it hit the 14a i was like okay this isn't going to be super gratuitous or over the top like i mean probably the only thing that got it that the biggest thing that got at the 14a is probably the jizz to be honest so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah which i mean i don't want to yeah i mean another kind of turn of phrase but it kind of i mean it kind of came out of nowhere but well, I well I did use the I, I did say the image of it was loaded earlier, so yeah. oh, I got to it. I got to it. Who, who, who so it? that? Yeah. I'm so glad it's the last that. episode. Deal with it. Deal with it. <laughs> Fucking two puns. Ah. Oh. I have to edit this shit too. <laughs> just, just, edit, just edit the puns out. It's okay. Now my rant makes no sense if I cut them out. We edit the rant out too, and we go to now we're all really happy. Hi guys. Oh hi! Look, all, everyone's so happy, and we never had two puns that completely flew under the radar. <laughs> you see, you just leave that part in, and people are gonna be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> the ending. The ending of this fucking movie. The whole La La Land sequence of them of sir Blaine looking at this and going man i'm pretty sure if i'm dishonorable here i'm just going to continue being dishonorable yeah. fucking wow Fantastic. yeah and i yeah yeah i guess we can kill two birds with one stone yeah I, it did remind me of la la land i think i mentioned that earlier in mm-hmm. the discord with kind of like this alternate life flashing before their eyes and to kind of go back to what we discussed earlier i think his journey is he pretty much fails up until that very point you know and then if yeah. he had failed there it would have played out with you know with the whole bastard child and then the whole uprising and he loses his head you know he gets a return but he chooses to accept that and then the, the green knight has that little playful oh it's time to lose your head with a little scratch and then it plays out as him you know meeting all of those five i guess you can call them chivalrous qualities of being courteous and pious and everything else so that's the way i generally interpreted it again i'm going to give it a rewatch but that was my general takeaway was that he more or less failed up until that very point the green knight kind of slightly recognizes that and says okay kind of be on your way you know here's a little here's a little scratch okay so now what is the belt supposed to symbolize at this point is like is the belt supposed to just be okay sin feels like the right term here is the belt supposed to be just the sinning that he does this entire time or there are chastity belts literally like dating back to historical times so i mean that's sure that's probably maybe a literal interpretation but i'm sure there's others yeah and that's just one aspect of why i want to rewatch it but for me i'm not sure if if they really i mean i'm sure there is some sort of deeper symbolism to it i'm just not sure it's anything to that as deep as we think like i think it's just literally like with that belt basically it protects him and if you go back to the original poem which i did read a little bit before doing this basically in the original poem how it ends is he basically keeps he keeps the belt on takes the blow survived he wears that belt on for the rest of his days to prove he's basically a coward because if he ever takes the belt off then his head would fall off as well so i think it's just a little piece of magic and kind of when he takes that off it's him finally passing the final trial and being like okay i'm ready to become a knight 
that's how I read it anyways. And there was that scene, um, I guess, in the kind of the alternate um, future, if you will, where he does remove the belt and his head does fall off. So I guess that is yeah. straight out of the source material. Cool. Exactly. Because the second he finally does take it off in that really cool sequence where he's just tugging it away and it looks like he's pulling it out from right in his in his chest. But yeah, the second it yeah. unravels, the head just falls off. And it's funny. I predicted that earlier. I'm like, oh, I bet that's going to happen. But then, of course, it was all in his head. He's imagining all of this. Yeah. I mean, even though it's not one of the five points, I mean, I guess that that point a knight is usually someone who would put down their life to be able to save others so is the belt basically him sewing hey i am okay of accepting death at any moment so hey belt is gone kill me because i am a knight and i'm a man of my word i said that i cut your head off i'd come back here in a year i'm a man of my word take my head now because man of my word like, yeah, is yeah, that I, the way to go for it, I guess? I need to watch it again, but that's exactly how I saw it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it was kind of the final test, if you will, of just generally being chivalrous and upholding your word. I mean, I guess you can kind of see it as maybe courtesy, because he was granting the, the Green Knight the same courtesy that the Green Knight oh, extended yes. to him early on. In fact, the word courtesy may have been used, um, literally. I'm not, again, I want to rewatch. No, I think he did. He was like, I yeah. gave you the courtesy of what, yeah. not without fear or something like that. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, a shame I have to rewatch it again you know but yeah take a shot for every time we say that by the way (laughs) (laughs) sam how do you feel about that the interpretation of the belt anything it's funny because i was thinking back to when his mom gave him the original belt and i almost saw it as like a mother's love to protect him from any sort of like she does seem worried about him going out there because he hasn't experienced any sort of danger journey danger exactly he's kind of had this like quiet life inside this safe town where he can whore not yeah whore around (laughs) drink and not have to go to church and yeah basically and then the life some would say yeah In, in some sense, yeah, it's uh, after hearing your guys' interpretations, it, a, a lot a lot of it makes more sense now. And plus, I didn't have any background with the poem or anything before seeing this. I just like went in and was like, this is going to be cool, probably. And probably some weird shit along the way because it's A24. <laughs> yep. And uh, I don't know if you guys I don't know if you guys saw uh, David Lowry's one of his last films, uh, A Ghost Story. I really want to. to. I want to. Yeah, it's pretty good. I actually yeah, I like The Green Knight more. There's a lot more going for this film i think than that one that film does a lot with a little and i'd be curious to hear what you guys all think about that movie because it is very very art house and like oh yeah i watched yeah. it once i need to rewatch it i think it's very polarizing yeah the best way is the way to explain it is kind of i i say like the uh, a ghost story walk to this movie could run yep. yeah definitely check it out and i recommend it too his peach dragon movie is far better than it has any right to be um as well so that's still so weird to think about he did that <laughs> he did i just watched that the other day before seeing this i wasn't really crazy about it but i kind of understand why he made it because he did a ghost story like a year later gotta get that funding you gotta get you gotta get your name yeah you gotta there. get on you gotta get on gotta the map. get that yeah. paycheck yeah. fucking yeah. paycheck always yeah. Um, there's one there's one point I wanted to make just before whatever, uh, if we're doing a free for all still for the ending. I think the movie actually played a little bit of a trick on me too, which I really appreciated. I remember like we're about maybe like half an hour into the movie and he's on the quest now. And I'm like, you know, if this movie ends with him going to meet the Green Knight, him kneeling down, 
his head getting chopped off and that's the end of the movie. I'm going to be disappointed. Like, I'm not sure if I'd like that. I and I feel like, be. and I, and I feel like the ending <laughs> kind of said, fuck you. Like, it's like, you know what? You know, here, you know, no, it's not going to end like that. Now you're going to see what would happen if he bitches out. You're going to see all the horrible, like shit he would do, how dishonorable he is. Yeah. There. Now you just wish he would have fucking nailed down and got his head chopped off. Didn't you? I was like, sorry, movie. <laughs> That's honestly how I felt by the end of that. So I really felt that that kind of movie smacked me around a bit and I appreciated it. Before hearing your guys' interpretations, I had a much more darker take where I thought he just, like when he got the flash, like the whole sequence there, I thought that was him seeing a vision of like, it is some sort of future he has where he runs away. And I kind of thought he just accepted death there at the very end, just because I think in some sense, like he doesn't seem like a character that really wants much Mm. out of life other than to fool around and not do much and he almost just kind of accepted death that way or else he'd just live a more miserable life where he was just a worse person Mm. and then hearing your guys's interpretations now it's it makes a little bit more sense with how everything glass half yeah. full. I, I think it's pretty open to mm. interpretation. He could have got his head chopped yeah. off at the end there. Like, I, I don't think there's mm. one right or wrong answer, honestly. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's what I really, yeah. That's what I really love about these kinds of movies is that like everyone can really like dissect it one way or another. This still feels like the happiest a 24 movie that they've ever put out because oh, I agree. most of this is just like, Hey, Dev Patel isn't exactly that good of a guy, but then he gets to the end and he learns his lesson about friendship and being a good person. And all of it just does feel like it's a positive thing. Like the Green Knight smiling and being like, there we go, off with your head. I was like, (laughs) this is actually really happier than it should be yeah and that's a great you, final line you you mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned that and that's part of why when i said earlier it was different than i expected it's not near as dark and upsetting as i thought it would be i thought it was going to yeah. be like really horror yeah. um, driven and mm-hmm. freaky and and really a lot of twisted stuff but it really wasn't i mean it obviously leaned into the weirder um aspects which i you know, appreciated, but yeah, it really wasn't. And there was one scene that struck me near the end. If you, when he goes to visit the green knight there at the end, he kind of sitting there, it's meditating and waiting. And there's a part where the green knight opens his eyes. I guess it's still nighttime. And he has like such a somber, sad look on his face that struck me for whatever reason. I don't know why, but it was just, uh, if you go back and rewatch it, his eyes are just so sad. And then, Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I do remember that where he just opens it up and stares at Dev Patel for just yeah, like a brief moment. And I don't know what and the then, meaning is. I'm trying to rack my brain. Maybe he's, mm-hmm. he's thinking that Dev Patel isn't ready to learn his lesson or to meet the challenge or his fate or whatever. But at the very, you know, at the very end, he's obviously very playful with the little neck mm-hmm. scratch. So it's almost like, it's almost like he had emotional investment in what Gowan was going to do, how he was going to meet this fate. So I thought that, that really struck me now that I think of it. I read it so differently where I was thinking that, I mean, I'm pretty sure the Green Knight was just sleeping this entire time. So I kind of took it as him kind of opening his eyes, looking at him and just going, is he there? Huh, he is. Well, I'm going to kill him, so I'll make him sweat a little bit. And then he just goes back to sleep. Like, I really did still take it as the Green Knight is going to fuck you up. So he's like, you know what? You can still keep a little bit of time until we have to deal with Christmas. Yeah. Enjoy shitting your pants for the next two hours. (laughs) No, no, that was a day or two because the, like, you see sunset and then you see midnight and you see daytime, like. Nah, man, Dev Patel was sitting there like, yeah, this is my last hour. No, wait, no, this is my last hour. This is my last night. 
I don't know. This is my this is my last morning. Yeah, and that is it Christmas? Out oh, there, here it is. Now finally. <laughs> yeah, and that entire little um I assume it was most of it was a physical set was uh amazing mm-hmm. with how they oh, yeah. did the visuals with the different um times of day, etc. I mean, among many other beautiful shots in this movie, near the end when they're walking through that kind of um yellow haze forest <sighs> was striking. Oh, very cool. Um now when he initially leaves the town and there's that kind of long shot of him just trotting down the road on his horse and his yellow <sighs> kind of um i forget i don't know what it is like a, a scarf or a, some kind of shawl or something yeah just very striking the use of colors um, in this movie was never not spectacular to me like he uses them so well and they just mm-hmm. look fantastic oh they do yeah it's it's one of those movies where i want to see kind of a breakdown of the physical versus the um digital effects yes because it's also seamless because you can't tell and that's the sign of good no. visual effects right so there's only like a couple moments with like obviously you can probably like look at the giant scene and be like oh i can yeah. probably see how they did that but yeah. it still looks it still looks nice and same with the uh when he's leaving the castle like you could tell like oh i could tell probably how they did this but it still looks good i'm yeah. not gonna lie like, not gonna, the giants uh, i kind of thought that they might have been doing lord of the ring shit where they just had characters that were closer to the camera and made it look like they were giants like i just had for some reason that immediate thought when they introduced them yeah and the giants weren't really extraordinarily detailed which really i'm sure helped with with budget and for them to to be able to do that yeah they um, still made them look really cool though yeah i don't want to be like a debbie downer but the fox digital effects were a little yeah. bit a little bit scary but i, I, yeah. I forgave it just, like it's it's a24 you insulted the fox right you you have <laughs> oh, two boy. puns and you edwin, insult edwin it wasn't a, it wasn't a real trained fox i'm sorry exactly Ugh. And right, it's okay. okay. Go, Ghost of Tsushima still exists. There's still foxes. <laughs> I just want to save all these foxes. I swear that if I see a real fox in real life, I'm going to freak out. I think a fox would be the death of you because it would just trick you into doing whatever the fuck it wants. So. Exactly. Oh, th- that fox would easily have me kill three people. And I would just be like, I'm Look at this cute little fucker. He's <laughs> jumping on the ground like it's a trampoline. <laughs> What's that? I should burn the school? <laughs> yes, it will be done, my lord. <laughs> okay, we're getting close to an hour, and I don't want to do more of an hour than a four track. Any any final thoughts before I kick you guys off the show? I just want to say that introduction scene with the Green Knight. Great, yes, introduction scene, and I really loved the sound design of uh, the horse stomping in, and just how menacing it all was it set the it tone great. for the rest of the movie yes it did it was perfect perfect final shot and final line god damn i i really love the end the final line is just it. just it's oh it's so it's so perfect just, and yeah it's just hard cut yeah just the hard cut yeah yeah i love that very little playful bit at the end it's just great okay were those the final words yeah we're we gonna do our scores uh, oh, oh, oh <laughs> yes. my god i forgot about scores okay scores. Uh, i i literally thought of this score as soon as the scene popped up and <laughs> the score is fox out of 10 i knew it i, I knew utterly, it the other score yeah. is of course 824 out of 10 so we got a fox out of 10 and we got an 824 out of 10 Hoot, what is your score uh my score is this is a wonderful coming of age story that is not at all for kids out of 10 mm-hmm. yeah. that it sounds like eighth grade Sam, what is your score? Jizz scarf out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Jizz belt. Great movie. Everyone should see it. Uh, Dorian, any any opinions on the jizz scarf? (laughs) What is your score? No, I have no opinions on that. 
Uh, I will. <laughs> I will give it a four out of five stars. Damn. Okay. All right. Everyone, say bye to Sam. I'm. I know you could close the tab out, but I'm going to kick you instead because it's more fun. Bye, Sam. Bye. bye. Oh, oh, he's. Oh, god, he's dead. Oh my god. Oh, the fox got him. Oh my god. Pood, any final words before the fox tells me to take care of you two? No, it's it's been a pleasure to talk about to make jizz puns. In what the presence of all of you, and don't don't edit them out, you coward. <sighs> I'm not going to. Wait, what's that, Fox? Take him out? Yes, I will do it. It's done, my lord. Oh, Fox, oh. why would you leave me here? <laughs> oh my! <laughs> what's that, Fox? <laughs> Keep the moose? Yes, of course I will. <laughs> Let's get the list out of the way. Back to a normal episode. I tricked fuckers into listening to a special episode. Look at me. <laughs> all right, I got Doom Eternal. I got Skyward Sword. I got Twilight Princess. I got For Your Eyes Only, The Spy Who Loved Me, Happy Gilmore, Little Nicky, Game Night, The Living Daylights, Public Enemies, Near Reincarnation, and I think there's something called The Green Knight here. I don't know the fuck that is. I'm actually going to take that off the list. <laughs> yeah, fuck that movie. <laughs> uh, my list. Yes, my list. Uh, so I've got uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3, uh, Doom Eternal, Bioshock 2, Bioshock Infinite, Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST, Serial Experiments Lane, The Conjuring 2, The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It, Phoenix Wright, Justice for All, Psychonauts, and Tokyo Mirage Sessions. And also some movie called The Green Knight, which is What gone. the fuck is that movie? Why did everyone watch this shit? Okay, it's garbage. I read the Google reviews. It said that it was horrible. Like, I don't understand why people are watching this shit. It's garbage. Bro, it's, it, bro, it's based off a poem. Who wants to watch a fucking poem? Poems are gay, man. <laughs> I ain't gonna watch a fucking poem. <laughs> I don't even know how to read, man. What the fuck's kind of stupid shit is that? Let's talk about movies. I don't need to fucking read. Yeah, don't want to watch first. a movie. I don't want to watch a fucking poem. Okay. Uh, <laughs> movies, 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 movies. Well, let's just get the weep trial out of the way. A serial experiments lane. All right, yeah. all right. I'm in charge now. I'm in charge. Yeah, now. yeah. Yeah, I'm. I, well, I'm, I'm about to. Sh I'm about to shit on it. So no, I mean, guilty, done, okay. guilty. <laughs> I don't need to hear the trial. Guilty. Fantastic. So, Serial <laughs> Experiments Lane is an animu animu from Japan from 1998 uh, about a girl who uh, you know was kind of fucked up. Uh, here's guess, the is she 14 years old, but actually 5,000 years old? No, not yet. Anyways, I haven't finished it. And honestly, <laughs> like, okay, so here's the thing. I was going to finish it. I had, I, I subscribed to a two week free trial of uh, Funimation and I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to watch this because people are suggesting getting them bored. Uh, I got through about eight episodes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no doubt. I got through. Actually, it is your fault because this all started with people judging you for anime taste. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to watch something. But anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I watched it. I, so I watched about eight episodes. I was like, okay, I'll finish this. I, but, and then I got to the end of my trial. I forgot to cancel. Now I'm on the hook for one more fucking month. So I'm like, okay, now I'm actually going to finish this at some point. Mm. Here's the thing with the show. When you think of anime, you think, I think of certain shit. Like I think of giant mecha robots fighting. I think of overindulgent fucking big dialogues of still images because they don't have the fucking budget to do this shit yes. proper. Like I think of All certain anime. Yeah, I think of certain tropes. I'm going to be honest. This show doesn't have those tropes, but that doesn't mean it's good. It's just, okay. <laughs> it's very, it's, it's very weird. And I, maybe I'll watch these last few episodes and everything's going to click together. But to me, it's just been boring for the most part. Like it, it just, it's taking so long to go anywhere. And it's one season and 13 episodes and we're already on episode nine. 
and still nothing's really been explained. The the best thing I can say about this show, the only thing good thing I can say about this show, but I'm going to and I'll give it a but in a minute here is that it's it's a pretty timely story. This came out in 1998 and basically the theme of it is internet scary, social media addictive, be careful. Which for 1998 is pretty ahead of its time. The problem is we had Metal Gear Solid and stuff like that in 1997 already telling cool stories like that. So I, I don't even know if I can was Metal Gear Solid 1998? Correct. Oh, they were all around the fucking same time. That's wild. Okay. Anyways. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I, I give it credit for that. It was telling a pretty cool story way ahead of its time. But other than that, it's just weird, man. Do you see? Here's my opinion on this. Why watch this when Perfect Blue exists? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> all right. I have nothing else. Feel free to drive the rest of the weep trial because I already declared you guilty. So continue to talk. It'll prolong you before we get the green knight to chop your head off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't have too much more to say than that. I mean, the uh, I, I, I will say this. I can't stand how anime intros are always the fucking same. It's just like that. Oh, do, da, 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 and you kind of get that like fucking mm-hmm. that rapid yep. music playing and like the, the, the cut scenes that nothing makes fucking sense. What's going on? It has nothing to do with the show. It doesn't sound like it belongs to the right show. Every anime does. Even Death Note, which I like the first half of Death Note, it still doesn't really fit the show, in my opinion, even though I love that intro. So I feel like every anime does this shit and it bothers me. Does it here too? Um, the end credits, it does something similar too. I don't like it. I'm going to finish it because I feel like I made episodes in. So I might as well fucking finish this to see if it gets any better credit for not being regular tropey anime. But again, that doesn't make it good. As long as the song slaps, it doesn't matter how pointless it is. Like if you were showing me Neon Genesis Evangelion and you still had that same song, but instead it was that video of the emo kids dancing underneath a bridge. Like I would still be like, yeah, that's a fucking great opening. That's a good point. (laughs) To be honest, though, the song isn't very good. So, okay, yeah, then that's going to completely ruin it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll send you an intro. You listen to it afterwards and you tell me if the song you think the song is any good, but it's just very. It, it almost reminds me of like an actual band. I can't think of the band's name right now. I'm going to think on that and get back to you and tell you that because it does actually remind me of a specific band, but it's it's not good. Because I just feel like this fits in the weave trial. We're just going to go straight into near reincarnation. Oh, oh score, uh, score, score, score. Oh, score, score. Yeah, go for it. Score. Go for it. Score. Uh, I give it a I'm not finished, but uh, fuck anime out of 10. Okay. Um, well, I'm just going to follow the, sco- the score and go uh, fuck anime at a 10 and drop a third nuke for good measure at a 10 <laughs> okay i need a reincarnation let's go all right I, uh, ne- I actually played this too so this can be on my list oh god okay all right well near reincarnation uh it is exactly still the same thing that i did the last time which uh of course there was a beta so i played the beta and it is pretty much the exact same thing as the full release the full release is just these weapon stories now of course since you seemed confused and i'm pretty sure other people have no idea what the fuck's going on with near and all that uh when it comes with near when you upgrade your weapons there's also stories attached to it so if your weapon is level one there's just a little blurb of a story and when you fully upgrade your store your sword or weapon it gives you basically a full story in four parts near reincarnation is basically just Hey, you're this little character running around this area, and because you're doing this, now we're going to show you these stories of whatever the fuck's going on. Like, I don't really know. It just sort of seems like the game is taking those weapon stories and going, 
yeah, we're just going to show you them in cutscenes now. Like, that's the only thing I can think of when it comes to this. Dorian, how was your experience with this? I mean, I played it for about an hour and then uninstalled, honestly. <laughs> Same. Um, oh, uh, except yeah. the other small part. <laughs> Here's this. I'll say the, the music slaps. So, absolutely. Like, the music slaps. Even coming out of that mobile speaker, was like, God, speak to me, Yoko Taro. You have amazing music. Um, can't you so music, comment? I love that they have the message at the beginning saying, like, this game has beautiful music. Please don't put put it on mute. Yeah, that that's like the best part, but it's wasted on a mobile game. Like it, it right. really is wasted on a mobile game. Um, and then I got in, and I'm like, okay, let's see. Like I'll run for a minute. They do the nice opening credit scene, and then bam! Here, spin this wheel and watch it add to get your gems. I was like, oh boy, here we fucking go, dude! Oh my god, <laughs> I was so confused because they gave me the gems. It said I had six, and I was like, okay, cool. And it started an ad. I was like. Did they just install a fucking pop-up like on my phone? Like is this is broken? Did I tap on the wrong thing? And then no, you have to watch a fucking ad to get a gotcha roll. It's like, what is this shit? What is yeah. this? Yeah. So it's it's very mobile. I mean, I think it's only for the most hardcore of hardcore near fans, which hey. is too bad. Like they could do something cool in the mobile space. Like no, Yoko Taro definitely you don't think? It's I think Yoko Taro could. Can. If if Yoko Taro put his mind to it, said we're gonna charge ten dollars for this mobile game and actually made something good, I think he could make something decent. Would it be worth it to do that? Fuck no. Could he do it? Yes. I don't think he would have it in him because he kind of just likes being kitschy. Like he just probably is doing this because it's like, eh, I know the Japanese people like mobile games. Fuck it. Why not? Oh, if there's did any you hear person? I'll go for it. Oh, I was gonna say, did you hear the interview with him? No. About the launch? Oh my god, I, I should have linked it to you. But they basically they asked him, they're like, Well, what what do you think about this game? Like, why did you make this mobile game? And he basically said, I have to link you the response, but it was something along the lines of I made this game so that Square Enix could make lots of money for gacha rolls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. the man. It's like, you know, he's obviously joking, but he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. That's the best part. I've studied this man. He's not joking when he says that. He uh, is being honest to God when he I says love that it. shit. I love oh, it. Oh my like no, he definitely, definitely <laughs> doesn't realize what makes his game special. So the fact that he's saying that shit is just like, yeah, look, um, I don't know, man. I just like being able to buy sake. You know, I, it's pr- look, if you guys want to keep spending a thousand dollars to get two B, but in like a shorter skirt. Yeah, here you go, man. Fucking pay for my mortgage. <laughs> so I love him. Yeah, he's he, the more I hear from Yoko Taro and see him in interviews, the more I like him. He's a very likable guy. If there's anyone who I think could use phones properly would probably be kojima like i feel like kojima would figure out a way to be like oh this is the mobile app just give it all the fucking permissions add location add storage and at some point you'd be playing this game and it's like hey uh go to your gallery and delete this photo and you're like what wait there was never a photo here what how the fuck did you do this no i agree i think especially if he used it in companion or something like if there was pt ever came out in my alternate universe where i want to live if there was like a pt (laughs) companion app that would be some (laughs) fucked up shit yes all right i don't want no (laughs) i don't mean to bring the mood down it it fits in with bioshock infinite in a bit though don't worry perfect all right well blue box i feel like i just have to say it that's it we're not not saying anything else that's it (laughs) there's our there's Uh, our clickbait okay okay so i that's weave trial i don't think there's anything else um okay shall we go into movies are we rating a mobile game oh fuck yeah um uh, I yoko out of 10 yeah uh, fuck mobile games out of 10 that that is a solid score okay uh films films i'm going to 
book all three Bond movies together because at this point, that is the way I'm watching these. My brain cannot <laughs> tell the difference between these. I am completely burnt out on Bond movies. You've watched a I lot. Oh my god. I don't know what the fuck's going on anymore. Okay, <laughs> I brought up all three Wikipedia pages for all three of these because I, for the life of me, cannot remember what was going on. <laughs> How much were you more... on your phone? How much were you on your phone during these movies? Oh, most of it now. Yeah, most okay. of it now. Yeah. <laughs> it, over now like there's i don't think i'm gonna be able to pay attention until i get back to daniel craig at this point like i'm probably just going to actually pay attention to watch skyfall but the rest of these are just all blending in at this point i'm <laughs> reading the wikipedia page summary for for your eyes only and i'm just like i guess that happened i guess there was a man named luigi uh <laughs> there was a casino yeah I don't remember any of this. Uh, I'm just going to say that I like Roger Moore. I'm going to give this one a Roger Moore out of 10. All three of them? You're just bundling them all together with that score? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just scoring for your eyes only right now. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to give it I don't fucking remember these movies out of 10. So, (laughs) Okay, uh, after that, The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, wait, okay, I remember this one. This was another Roger Moore one, and this was when they had the Legion of Doom coming out of the ocean. I don't know what the fuck was going on in this movie. Uh, Wait, Spy Who Loved Me? Okay, Bond was... Oh, my God, the only thing I remember is the Legion of Doom thing at the end. Uh, So, Legion of Doom out of 10. (laughs) Oh. I don't remember this fucking movie out of 10. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot. Bond Bond uh, solved the Cold War by fucking a Russian agent. Okay, there we go. Uh, that too. Uh, I give it a Rocky 4 out of 10. There we go. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, the Living Daylights. I don't understand how this is the first one I finally got to watch with Timothy Dalton, and I like him. I like him. I look at this guy. It's like, ah, oh, man, you got the chin for this. You're definitely a Bond. I like you. Um oh wait i remember this one he skied down a mountain with the with a violin case so that was wild um <laughs> uh he definitely doesn't shoot a woman because it's a woman so he doesn't he, he bond might be misogynist because he didn't shoot the woman so i think that's probably something worth noting i'm going to give it a gunshot through a violin box and they never fix it for the entire movie out of 10 because i don't fucking remember anything else oh wait i forgot the taliban were in this one too or the the mujahideen or whatever no actually you know it's gonna be a 9 11 out of 10 then hearing you try to just remember these movies is fucking hilarious like you're just scrambling i love it it's It's beautiful (laughs) it's so ruined now oh my god it's just (laughs) over and over and over again it's so great now because my wife whenever we watch this like oh bond's in the hotel room he's gonna get jumped (laughs) like oh it's the opening scene gonna have crazy action that doesn't add anything else to the rest of the movie Oh, we got to have the exposition scene, and he flirts with Money Penny. Oh, now we're going to go down to the lab with Q, and we're going to see a crazy gadget that would make the movie better if it just showed up. Like, like there's just, oh, we got to get to the end where the woman, if depending on the year range, if it's the 60s or 70s, just completely gets kidnapped and does nothing. But if it's later 70s and closer to 80s, she's going to throw a single punch so people can be like, girl power. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the bond tropes are just endless. is your wife watching every one of these movies with you as much as i am <laughs> god bless her 
<laughs> she already has to deal with me. Like, oh my god, I kind of, I'm kind of sad now because I remember these openings being really cool. But if you ask me, like, if you put them right next to each other and you took away the obvious credits that would be dead giveaways i don't think i could tell which ones are which yeah i mean this is why i don't ever marathon content like whether it's a game whether it's a movie i will always have filler pieces in between because the shit just gets all smushed together like i just could not watch like if i was going to watch all the bond movies i do them like once a month once every couple of months even like i could not do them all at the same time we just all mashed together for me and i'd hate it by the end of it it, it was a new year's resolution and i want to try and get this all done before the next bond mill <laughs> the next bond movie <laughs> when is, is that is that this year right still november or whatever yes correct and i need to get that within the first week because i fucking swear that i miss this in dolby atmos i'm just not gonna watch it in theaters yeah it's a good dolby atmos movie for sure like at least that one's big enough that it's a movie i like that for sure will be in dolby atmos and then i can't fucking wait for like the next week to be replaced by like fucking boss baby three or something let's go Oh no, dude! That I that shit happened to me once where I wanted to go see Bohemian Rhapsody. Which, to be fair, like I know Bohemian Rhapsody sucks, but I went in with expectations of like, if you just play Queen with a Dolby Atmos track, I'll be happy. And they did that, so I was like, ah, that's fine. But I think that I went to go try and watch it, and then like the very next week, it was one week in Dolby Atmos, and then the next week it was the fucking Grinch, and I was like, you motherfuckers! It's like why the the Grinch. The Grinch. How many people are out here like, ah, Illumination, I love their films. I need to go pay Dolby Atmos. I need 2,000 speakers to hear Illumination Minions fart jokes. Like, I was fucking infuriated. I drove 45 minutes to go see one, and, you know, the movie gave me exactly what I needed, which was just Queen and fucking Dolby Atmos. (sighs) What 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 were we talking about? Bond. Oh, uh, yeah, nine eleven out out of ten. Yeah, I, I don't remember this fucking movie out of ten for the three for three trifecta. Perfect. All right, that was my Bond section. That, that toss it to you for movies. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't have many movies. Uh, I guess I'm going to bundle these two together because of the Conjuring movies. I mean, mm. they kind of fit together. So I watched the Conjuring two, and then the Conjuring the Devil made me do it. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll start. We'll start with the Conjuring two. First of all, actually, Ed, I'm curious. Have you seen any of these movies? None of these. Like anything uh, that is after the 2000s, just assume it's a horror movie. I haven't watched. Okay, that's fair. So Conjuring two. Uh, I actually really like the Conjuring two, and it's mostly because of James Wan. I think James Wan is, is a very talented director, Definitely. and specifically when it comes to horror, he knows the genre very well. He knows how to create a really good atmosphere and a really good sense of dread. And that's what this movie has. It's just very good. It's consistently scary. It's not over the top with the jump scares, but there's definitely enough to keep you on your feet. And then the funny thing about horror is horror more than anything is very subjective in terms of what scares you. Like what scares me won't scare you, won't scare somebody else. It's very different for every single person. I cannot tell you how much Valak terrifies me. Like even just saying the word Valak and making me think of her absolutely sends a cold shiver down my spine i don't know who came up with that but whoever came up with that has a twisted mind and they can go fuck themselves she is horrifying and she makes that movie absolutely nightmare fuel for me like i cannot stand her you've seen valak right like what she looks like 
look, oh I'm God. very te- okay. look. I'm sitting in a dark room. It is yeah. close to one a.m. Yeah. I already had to think about Lisa and that other the, the <laughs> thing from Sinister. So I don't want to have to do that to myself again. <laughs> oh, Sinister is a good one. I like Sinister. At least you saw that. Um, yeah, I don't know how the hell I watched that one. Yeah, fucking bagul, man. Valak is just awful. Like fucking bagel, <laughs> bagel. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's really good. There's another uh, kind of creepy guy called the Crooked Man in this. I mean, just hearing that name, you know, he's spooky. Um, but he's he's spooky. Apparently, he's getting his own spinoff movie, which I don't know about uh, that, Chief. But yeah, uh, again, it's just very good creativity by James Wan, and he knows how to just create an atmosphere, keep you on the edge of your seat through the entire thing. So he did this movie, and it's so great. And it kind of leads perfectly into The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. Because guess what? He did not direct that movie. And guess which movie isn't as good because he didn't direct that movie. Oh, oh, oh. Let me raise my hand. Let me raise my yeah, hand. Go ahead. Go that, ahead. One. Yes. that one. That one. You're right. Yay. Oh, gold stars. <laughs> gold star for you. Yeah, no. It's um, it's very mid. And it's not a bad movie. It's just very unremarkable. Something I would never watch again. And it's too bad because it is a mainline entry. It is technically the third movie in the series. It's, it's a trilogy. It brings back the actor and actress who, by the way, Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. They are absolutely fantastic fantastic together they have such good on-screen chemistry together and they're really great in this movie and even in the third movie they're really good in this movie they just don't get a lot of support there's no okay you get valak in the second movie this creepy nun and then you get the crooked man which you know i mean i don't even need to describe him to he's the fucking crooked man he's creepy right Mm -hmm. the conjuring the devil made me do it the scariest thing you get is like a 300 pound obese dead guy that runs at them and i'm not even joking that's the scariest (laughs) creature I, I'm not joking. There's no other scarier creature than this 300-pound obese dead guy. That's literally it. So it's so disappointing in comparison. In fact, I've even got into my notes here. The scariest part about that movie, for me, personally, again, very subjective. The scariest part about that movie for me is at the very end. So the thing with The Conjuring, and whatever, spoilers, uh, but it's mm-hmm. a very minor spoiler. At the very end of The Conjuring movie, what they always do is they'll take like a trinket from the movie, like something that caused a possession or something like that, and they add it to their like, they've got this big room with all of them in it, right? Mm-hmm. The memento. So they always add it into the room, right? And so in the second movie, there's basically this painting of Valak that gets made, and it's very scary, but they end up moving that into the room at the end of the second movie and it shows up in the third movie and that was literally the scariest part of the entire fucking movie is the 10 seconds they show that painting at the end i'm like oh fuck there's valak i'm like that's your <laughs> scariest part of your movie so it was just disappointing it lacked the magic of james Wan. it didn't have that same sense of dread throughout it like i said it was a bad movie it was well acted it was perfectly acceptable popcorn junk movie but very disappointing all right uh I have nothing to add to two of these because I just really have no interest in them. So I'm just going to go straight to my score of I should really watch Aquaman out of 10. You should, actually. And it's funny, too, you mentioned that because there's actually a scene in Aquaman that's, I don't want to say a horror movie, but it's definitely got kind of creepy, scary vibes to it. And you could tell it's like, oh, man, here's his conjuring roots. Like, this is really fucking creepy. So he's just so talented. And I honestly think Aquaman's a lot of fun. Not a lot of people love it. But if you just go in kind of expecting a goofy superhero movie, I think you get something out of it. It's a good movie. Sam Raimi approves. Sam. Okay. Um, the Conjuring hey, hey, 2. He still gave you two good movies. Okay? That's true. That's true. And Evil Dead. Yes. God, and and uh, Drag Me to Hell, which I love. Have you seen Drag Me to Hell? No, I think that oh. was one where, uh, look, I was right there with you in hating Spider-Man 3, so I was like, Sam Raimi, you mean the Spider-Man guy? Ah, nah. Uh, which, uh, by the way, I, I was young, I was stupid, I had no idea what <laughs> Evil Dead was. <laughs> no, that's totally fair. 
Uh, Egg Hall is really good, though. But Conjuring 2, I would probably give that a four out of five stars. It's a fantastic horror movie for me. Devil Made Me Do It be like a two, two and a half out of five. Like, it's fine, but definitely not something I would recommend. Fair enough. All right. Uh, back to me for movies. Happy Gilmore. Fuck, man. Happy yeah. Gilmore is just really good. Price is wrong, that. bitch. Oh, my God. God, I was so shocked by the last per minute, like in the first half of this movie. You know, actually, you know, I'm just going to say right now, I'm bundling Happy Gilmore and Little Nicky because. Wait, uh, have you seen Happy Gilmore before? Was this your first time? No, no, no. I've seen it. It's okay. just that okay. it's something that I hadn't watched in a while. And, okay. you know, whenever cable was actually relevant, Happy Gilmore was just always on. So you would catch kind of like pieces here, pieces there. Yeah. I actually finally sat down to watch it a couple of years ago, but I honestly didn't remember it. My wife is just completely ignorant of like most Adam Sandler movies. So that gives me a great excuse to go back and watch some of them. And Happy Gilmore, I think, was a gap for her. So I was like, oh, OK, perfect. You know, I don't know what to watch right now. Fuck it. Happy Gilmore. And oh, my God. God, like the thing that now I'm thinking of that has probably the funniest laugh for me is whenever he goes to drop off his grandma at the nursing home <laughs> and the old lady jumps on his car. He's like, get me out of here. <laughs> and he fucking dumps food on the cars. Like, ah, take this. Go. I, I was laughing for like a solid two minutes after that. I was oh. dying. The it's whole so idea of Ben Stiller just using these old ladies for slave labor. <laughs> oh, my God. A mustache, man. Oh, Shooter McGavin is oh a God. legend. Every yep. single thing that that man says, you're just like, you are the worst person alive. I love <laughs> you. He's so great. The gigantic man who's who was his boss, who <laughs> happy put a nail in his head and the nail is just still there. Oh, my God. Shooter, I'll see you. Oh, everything about this movie is just so, so good. It, yeah. Uh, Chubbs, Chubbs, just every single time that this man opens his mouth, you're just like, what are you going to say this time, old man? What are you going to say this time? Uh, which is the entire reason I went to Little Nicky, which um, Little Nicky is bad. I really like it. <laughs> I, for some reason, just have a soft spot for Little Nicky. I was just watching it and I was like, I think it's nice to see that Adam Sandler did something that was creative. Because nowadays, we don't have that. We have, hey... Sony Pictures, hey Netflix, can you hand me $200 million so I can go on vacation and occasionally record myself? And they go, absolutely, you want to sign a seven-picture deal? Let's go ahead and do that. Let's finalize this. So the fact that this one actually had the plot of, hey, the devil has three sons, and then he's like, hey, you guys want a promotion? And he's basically doing succession, but in hell. And then he goes, nah, fuck you guys, I'm going to stay on two of them leave and adam sandler i don't know what the hell is going on with that accent but occasionally it would make me laugh <laughs> oh so, it's like, so bad it's so <laughs> bad but like it's also hilarious to think that a shovel hit him in the face so like that's why he's <laughs> fucked up like it's so stupid that like it gets to that level of, like this is so annoying but that reasoning is so dumb that like ah fine fine you get it oh my god plus literally 
literally has fucking Rodney Dangerfield as oh. Satan. Oh, I don't need anything God. more out of a movie. I'm sorry. You're right. This movie is bad, but it's so fucking good. Rodney no, 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 Dangerfield no. as Satan. No, no. I can't ever say that this movie is good. It's, it's super enjoyable. Like, it has some <laughs> moments where I'm like, yeah. That was actually funny. Almost <laughs> anything, anything that Rodney Dangerfield says is golden. Oh my I, god. He's just in the two movies now that I've seen him in, this man does not miss whatsoever. It's incredible. Oh, wait, I'm fucking uh, you know, I'm just jumping back and forth between these two because I'm scatterbrained now. But Happy Gilmore just fucking Adam Sandler punching everyone like my oh, wife out loud said it's like do people not get sued for assault in this universe like <laughs> not in the adam sandler verse oh my god adam sandler is fine i'm pretty sure if a little girl tripped him he'd probably start beating that girl to death like it's comedic oh it's so great jumping back to little nikki for a second though mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. i'm actually looking at the IMD pa- imdb page for adam sandler right now Little Nicky is the last comedy yes. movie I liked of Adam Sandler. That oh. was in the year 2000, so it's been 21 years since I have seen a, com- a comedy. I'm going to very specifically say that comedy movie yeah. that I've enjoyed of Adam Sandler's. I didn't like Mr. Deeds. I didn't like uh, Click. I didn't like 51st States. I did not like any of those movies, so it's been so long for me. All right, let me see. Um... Oh, Jack and Jill. Sorry, I forgot about Jack and Jill. Oh, mas- Masterpiece. Masterpiece of a film. Uh, <laughs> Criterion Collection, Jack and Jill, please. <laughs> How far back is it for me? Uh, you know what? I'm going to lightly go to bat for Click. Okay. Try it and Click. Yeah, I mean, there was effort. There was effort. I just didn't find it funny, but there is effort in that movie, at least. I'll give you that. Okay, wait, yeah, you're right. We're thinking funny. So, yeah, Click is out. Eh, the Longest Yard isn't really funny, so no. out. So you don't mess with the Zohan. <laughs> oh, I forgot he did Spanglish. No, Spanglish isn't funny, though. Is Fifty First Dates funny? It's, see, but that's the thing. So if you take a movie like Fifty First Dates and then you take The Wedding Singer, The Wedding Singer is oh. legitimately funny and sweet. Fifty First Dates, I think, is sweet. It's just not very funny to me anyways. I didn't find you it funny. Anger management. Anger management in 2003. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Anger management wasn't bad. Yeah. I, I, I'll accept that. I actually forgot about that movie. That's an acceptable answer. But it's, my point My point still stands. It's been yeah, a long course, fucking time. Years. <laughs> it's been a long fucking time is my point. But there are people who can now vote the last time that yeah. Adam Sandler was funny. He's beaten, he's a better dramatic actor than he is comedy now. Yes, he's got fucking punch. He's got punch drunk love, which is fucking fantastic. And uh, Uncut Gems, which was so great. Dude, what I love is that when they announced that Uncut Gems was going to be in the Criterion Collection, I created a meme where it was the TV pose meme and i put adam sandler's face with the copy of punch drunk love and uh, uncut gems underneath his arms and at the bottom is leo crank <laughs> oh i love it i love it i just i think my favorite thing of that whole part of uncut gems was him basically saying look if i don't get an oscar nomination for this i'm gonna go back to making shitty comedy movies because fuck you all and sure no, enough, no, he, no, not he, only that, he said that he was going to make the worst one yeah. yet and yeah. i'm still in fear <laughs> of when it happens oh man i love him like i just i feel so bad for the guy man i mean to be fair it was really stacked that year for best actor there was a lot of fucking good performances but jesus christ man he was so good in uncut gems i can't say enough good things 
about that movie. I love that. I still am worried about the day it happens because I don't think we're we've hit the day of reckoning, have we? No, I'm no, I'm very scared. But fucking fifty pizzas in fucking fifty days, man. I'm worried about that shit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why the pandemic is still going adam sandler's like no no i have to do it big what, papa john's did that shit oh my god i have to outdo him you know you know what delta a- adam delta adam, adam delta sandler Del- delta is his middle name there we go that's what it is done yeah we solved it and we've been demonetized and canceled for covid Fantastic. Oh, uh, while, while we're at it, then uh, the 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 vax is a lie. Uh, you're getting microchipped. Uh, it's just a ploy to get you to buy Xbox One X's since there's no games on it. You know, Donald Trump. <sighs> okay, okay. Uh, uh, lizard people. What other things can we say <laughs> to get demonetized? <laughs> Oh, uh, no, I'm not going to go there. Let, let's move Because <laughs> I, I had some shit, but we're not going to go there. Christian, um, there we go. Good enough. Okay. I actually don't know anything about that, but no. Stay ignorant. I, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's, please stay ignorant. It, oh, my God. Now that I said it out loud, everyone stay ignorant. Please don't. Yeah. Please don't. I'm, I'm staying ignorant. Okay, good. Uh, so, yeah. Speaking of I'm ignorant, feel- little Nikki. <laughs> I fucking hate the dog. I hate oh, the yeah, dog. Fuck, so oh yeah, much. fuck that dog. That dog's annoying as he shit. He never got me to laugh. Somehow the dog has a more annoying voice than little Nikki. Like I don't get that. Now what you're going to do oh. is that you're going to put the product placement in your mouth and chew. Fuck like, me. Uh, I'm not gonna lie though. They did have a couple of moments where the chicken was actually funny. When the oh, bucket yeah. of chicken at the end sprouts legs and runs away, I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that was so random. I loved it. <laughs> oh my god. The fact that they get to the end and they just like he's like, release the good, and it's just a baby, and then fucking Adrian comes out and makes it into a, a, a little person and starts beating the shit out of a woman. I was like, oh my god. The the whole idea of the two of them just continuously corrupting things was hilarious to me. Ozzy Osbourne showing oh up god, like a yes. fucking psychopath to bite a bat. Oh, my God. Little Nikki just has so many things where I'm like, this is so dumb. Stop it. And then it goes even dumber. And I'm like, there we go. And that's what I like. And you catch yourself laughing. (laughs) (laughs) I never felt bad, though. That's the thing. Every single time that I laughed, I went, yeah, that's a solid one. I mean, (laughs) the idea that an angel fell in love with his dad and they fucked and then that's (laughs) little Nikki. Like, that. Oh my god, no, it just reminded me now of the portrait that they have is like, I used to look great, then I got hit with a shovel, now I look like that, and they go over to the portrait, and he just looks so sad. I know, that's so good. Oh, this movie's so dumb, it's so dumb, but damn it, it lands enough jokes where I'm like, yeah, you kind of did it. Also, why is Quentin Tarantino a psychopath in this one? <laughs> yeah, you know what? There, I was reading an interesting article about that because somebody mentioned it the other day. I'm like, why the fuck was he in this movie? And they've never yeah. really said. But they did an interview with Uma Thurman. And I guess Uma Thurman basically said, look, Tarantino's such a fan of fucking film that they could basically say, hey, I'm making this fucking $5 movie, but you'll have like a walk-on part you want in. And Tarantino would be like, yeah, I'm in. So he just fucking loves the craft of so of cinema so much. He's basically like Nicolas Cage. He'll just say fucking yes to anything. Except he's probably not in debt and doesn't actually need to say yes. Correct. <laughs> now, little Nikki, what else? Oh, the fucking pineapple in Hitler's ass every single time. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, so it's so lovely. Every single time that I see Hitler dressed up as a French maid, it's never not going to make me laugh. And when they make him choose the pineapple that's going to go up his ass, 
ah, it's gold. It's gold. Yeah. Like, there's so much in this movie where I'm like, that's a funny idea. Like, that's just, oh my God. The two brothers, whenever they go up into Earth and they just start telling everyone to sin, like, no one notices that they're standing on fucking grills or things, like, to nope. keep warm. Like, no one pays attention to that. Just, oh, the, the our Pope is telling us to go and just start fucking each other and debauchery and all this. The mayor comes out and is also doing the same thing. Incredible. All this is just lovely. Oh. And it's funny you mentioned earlier about how happy Gilmore being always on TV. Uh, I remember little Nikki always being on TV growing up. Uh, TBS. We, we we got TBS yeah. up here in Canada. And I remember would always be on there. And I'd always catch little bits and pieces of it because I like the movie. So. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Oh, my God. I forgot. Henry, we have Henry Winkler. Oh, ah. my God. Yeah, we love him. Covered in bees. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so evil. So evil. Oh no! It. What I love is at the end when they're like, "Oh, Nikki, if you kill, if we kill you, you're just gonna go to heaven. You're still a good person." Like, ah, oh, fuck! I need to sin. Sorry, Henry Winkler. And he just gives like this little shrug. His face is completely covered in bees. Sings. And he's just like, "No." It's oh, a great movie. <laughs> oh my god, little Nikki's a piece of shit. But it's like, oh, it, it, it's a piece of shit. It's it lands shit. enough jokes. I don't, I don't want to talk about the negative ones. It's it's my piece of shit. I like it. <laughs> Although I'll tell you this, the biggest thing I got from all this is that you need to watch more fucking Rodney Dangerfield content. You said you only watched two movies with him in it. Yeah, my friend, my friend. There's a whole world of Rodney Dangerfield out there waiting for you. Good shit too. No, I know, I know. Trust me, he's definitely on my list now that it's twice that this man doesn't miss. So I'm pretty sure that if I watch Back to School, that might be a good starting point, right? Back to School is fantastic. Great movie to watch. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Uh, Happy Gilmore. Anything else? Uh, best cameo of all time Bob Barker is just a joy in this like I oh uh, no hold on I I could talk about it or instead I can just go jackass so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that sums it up great (laughs) that man is so perfect Uh, wait oh I forgot his grandma loses the house because she fucking owes almost 300 grand from the IRS like what (laughs) I love to think that she was intentionally doing it like I'm like she's like a really hardcore libertarians like ah now fuck the government like I'm not gonna spend all that money on taxes fuck you guys what are you gonna do steal my house oh god they stole my house happy oh my god please it's so it's so good. Oh, this movie. I think I got everything I got out of these. You? Yeah, I know. I'm good. Let's let's move on to the scores. All right, uh, Happy Gilmore. I give it. Uh, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast out of ten. Great score. Uh, I would give Happy Gilmore three and a half stars out of five. Uh, little Nikki, I'm gonna give it a release the good out of ten. Little Nikki, I'd probably give it a. Two and a half out of five. A deep two. <laughs> oh, it's complete side note, but if you've seen Billy Madison, right? Yes, of course. Of course. Okay, good. Oh, my God. Billy okay. Madison is just so fucking good. Just yeah, okay. Adam Sandler didn't sure. miss for like a good five or six years. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Even his time on Saturday Night Live was hilarious. But Okay. Uh, that's what I got for movies. Uh, wait, is that? Yeah, whatever. Next. Go. Go for you. I'm actually done for movies. I'm done. Oh, all right. Uh, Rolling up. Let's see my list. Game night. Fucking game night. Oh, man. Game night is just still really funny. I love just the way that they wrote themselves into this movie. The whole conceit that 
it's a game night, but wait, have you seen game night or no? I have when it first came out, so I'm a little bit murky on details, but I do remember liking it. But yeah, same. Okay. I actually really forgot that this movie is just scripted so well. I remember for some reason this movie taking a long time before they realized that all of it was real. So just rewatching the movie, just seeing the way that they structure everything where almost every single piece of the story ends up slotting way too perfectly into the conceit that they have of the game night just is great. Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman just bounce off of each other so well. They really anchor most of this movie and... Rachel McAdams, every time I see her, I, for some reason, just think of her more as rom-com lead, even though Mm -hmm. I know that's not true. I think of Mean Girls. So I have, like, this image of her, and then Game Night just goes, no, 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 but this girl has some chops. And the line that always kills me is around the end of the movie when a dude just dies in front of her, and she goes, yes, oh no he died like (laughs) oh my god that line for some reason kills me and i think it's because she says it so genuinely like just oh i shouldn't be celebrating someone just died oh well like oh the fact that they have michael wait is it michael c hall it is michael Michael c C hall michael c hall at the end just showing up (laughs) i was like wait what (laughs) Even watching it in theaters and then watching it here is like, you got the Dexter guy for, I I mean, it makes sense, but really? Do you know what he's credited as in the movie? Uh, Probably the Bulgarian. Yeah, just the Bulgarian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Just this movie is so at least contrasting with Happy Gilmore and Little Nicky, which are like stupid, but like they understand they're stupid. So they go for it. Game night is so brilliantly stupid where you have the the cop who honestly might be autistic. Like this man cannot read social cues at all, or, or maybe he's playing it up. Like he's either playing it up with the fact that he's just always like, I see you guys grabbing three bags of Tostitos. I too enjoy soirees and getting together with friends. Me and my little canine too enjoy meeting up with people. I see you got three bags of chips and you say no one's coming over. Like it's so good. Just Jesse Plemons the entire time. This probably was like his first thing that he showed up in after Game of Thrones. So okay, not Game of Thrones, Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Yeah. So just seeing him like this, where he is just such a fucking dork, even though he still has like that horrendous side to him. It's just gold. I love it so much. Uh, you never saw um, Fargo, did you? The TV show? No. The problem okay. is that like I remember watching the movie Fargo and... I think when I watched it, my mind wasn't ready for such Kino like that, so I didn't really think of it too positively. So Fair. I think I need to go back to yes. most of the movies that I watched for um, 
the Cullen brothers. Yeah, I would give Fargo another chance. It's pretty great. But the only reason I mentioned that is because technically he technically did Fargo before uh, Game Night too. So he was, he had a couple of really good hit TV shows, and they showed up in this movie. So it was pretty cool to see him see him do well. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm always happy that Game Night exists because it is right next to Booksmart. In oh crap, they actually made a couple of comedies that were funny in the late 2010s because uh, it's been dire. So yeah, not a ton of them, not a ton of them. Uh, good cast too. Like you said, like I love Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman's just yeah. one of my favorite comedic actors going. Rachel McAdams. Great. Uh, I don't think we talked about Kyle Chandler yet, but I'm a big Kyle Chandler <laughs> fan. Uh, really great in Friday Night Lights, which is another TV show I enjoyed. Really good cast. I want to see Rachel McAdams in more things. Like I just really yeah. loved how bubbly she was. I'm like, you're just a nice presence to be around. And I'm just so used to think of you as Regina George that to see you in a positive light, it's like, oh, this is a nice change of pace. I like this. Yeah, she doesn't do a lot of work. She's pretty picky and choosy in what she does. And unfortunately, one of the things I really remember her from was True Detective Season 2. So, Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> I, I'm so, looking at her filmography. The there's not a lot. The other comedy that I see is Wedding Crashers, but like she's not even funny in no. that one. Like She's yeah. just the girl to chase. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's she should do more comedies. She's funny. Oh, of course. I want her to have a Channing Tatum run of comedies where you're like, oh my god, you actually have comedic timing. Good for you. I'm with you there. All right. Uh, game night. I think that's all I got. Uh, oh, wait, no. Uh, I want to mention one more thing before I get to the score. I love the establishing shots that however they shot it, it always makes it look like the entire shot is a game piece. I, I love it so much every single time. I'm going to give game night a... Comedies can still be made even with the PC crowd yelling out of 10. Yeah, definitely a good solid three and a half stars out of five for me. And I also agree with your uh, your review score, too. It's a poignant point. Perfect. All right. Uh, then moving on to my next movie. And I think it's my last movie because I don't know what the fuck The Green Knight is. I don't know who wrote that in here. And yeah. I think, yeah, uh, disgusting. Uh, Public Enemies. Uh, I think Public Enemies is bad. I I don't like it. And I think it's bad. Like, I, this one did not land for me at all. I watched it with my best friend, and I knew this movie was in trouble when he started talking to me around, like, 20 minutes in, and I didn't tell him to shut up. And at that point, he started telling me, like, hey, did you watch this crazy one-shot that someone did in a bowling alley? I was like, no, I have not. Get, do you want to pause the movie and show me? And we paused it. <laughs> and then we did that. And then at that point, I was like, oh, you think that's a one shot? And then I pulled out my Children of Men Blu-ray that I still need to sell. And I put it and I showed him the one shot from Children of Men in the car. And I was like, that's a one shot. And it wasn't until we finished that scene that I realized, oh, shit. Um, I think that scene might be the best thing that we watched tonight. We're really (laughs) fucked. Public Enemies... Also directed by Michael Mann, and I've been on a kick for him because Collateral and Heat. And I was, look, there's at least one thing that I require from Michael Mann, and it's that I need your gunshots to sound like real gunshots. This movie was so inconsistent of when it wanted gunshots to sound cool, and it was pissing me off. Because at some point, there's a shootout near a cabin, and me and my best friend, like, I told him my issue. And he started listening for it, too. Like, we started listening. I was like, 
oh, and when they're inside, the gunshots sound weak. Oh, when they're outside, it sounds good for some reason, even though if you were inside, the sound would echo off a wall, so it sound even more powerful. Why is it that right now this single gunshot and then the very next bullet that happens after are completely different in the amount of impact? There's just so many inconsistencies in the gunshot sounds that it was pissing me off because they would be in the middle of a street with a shotgun blast. I'm like, ah, that sounds crunchy. And then right afterwards, they'll be inside a bank shooting a handgun. And I'm like, why does this sound so quiet? Why do you not sound right? And at, once I started realizing the sound, everything else just went downhill. Like Johnny Depp and Christian Bale and Marion Cotillard, all three of them are just doing great work. They're acting their asses off. I'm so happy about all three of them, but the directing just really isn't helping them. The cinematography occasionally has ideas. Where I'm like, ah, you know, that's a cool idea. I'm still really annoyed by the fact that Michael Mann Collateral is just a good movie, so it never bothered me that he had what looked like handheld camera, but like not even handheld camera, like actual film cameras. It looks like he literally got a fucking Sony camera from 2004 at a Best Buy and was like, I'm going to use this for gritty look. And I'm like, this doesn't look good. And at least Collateral, since that movie feels grimy, it gets away with it. Public Enemies, by the fact that it's supposed to be in the 1930s seeing a grimy look in a camera doesn't feel right because it feels like you're on a set and it's so weird because the sets in the in this movie are so pretty but when they shoot him in the way that they do where he shoots it documentary style occasionally it bothers me because i'm like this doesn't look like a movie now it looks like reenactments in a history channel thing about ah his name Ah, whatever. The the person that Johnny Depp is playing. This movie was just so weird to me. And I don't understand what it was. It's probably a really straightforward story, but I don't understand why I couldn't follow it. And, like, I had subtitles. My best friend and I were making fun of it, but, like, we were still paying attention. And for some reason, it just felt like this movie didn't ever want to keep it straight, where it's like, oh, well... John Dillinger, oh, that's the name of the character. John Dillinger is robbing people because eh, I don't understand who John Dillinger is as a person. I just understood that he was charismatic and that Johnny Depp is acting really good here and that Marion Cotillard is hot. Like, it's weird because, like, she was hot in this movie and it bothered me because I'm like, I've seen you before. Why are you so much more attractive here? And I think maybe I just have a thing for 20s and 30s and 40s women's fashion. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Because like every time I saw her haircut and eyes, I'm like, stop it. You're distracting me. And just, I don't understand what this movie was. I really don't. I kind of thought this might have been the last agreed upon movie that Michael Mann had that people went, ah, yeah, that was good. But I'm thinking at this point, no, it might have actually been Collateral, the last movie, because I don't think people like Miami Vice. So, yeah, Collateral might have been the last time that Michael Mann landed. And uh, that makes me sad. Dorian, did you ever watch Public Enemies? Anything? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. So it, it's never a good sign for a movie when I'm like, Public Enemies, did I see that movie? I click on it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did see that movie. What do I remember from that movie? <laughs> nothing 
So yeah, that's never a good sign. Um, I definitely did see this movie. It was just so utterly forgettable to me. Um, I'm not a big Johnny Depp fan to begin with. I think he's a great actor. I'm just, I don't know. There's just something I don't love about him in certain roles. Um, I love Christian Bale. I love Mariana uh, Coulter. I think she's fantastic. Super hot too, like you said. Uh, so I don't like, understand every- what it is. Like in the Dark Knight Rises, I'm like, yeah, you're pretty. I get it. And then that's it. Oh, Inception. Yeah, you're pretty. That's it. This movie, I just like every time she popped up, like, stop it. Stop it. My wife has already ruined me that if she ever leaves me, I'm going to have to go find another girl with colored eyes. And just seeing her, I'm like, stop it. Right? Stop it right now. I don't understand what it is. I actually really do think it's a haircut or something. Yeah, probably the haircut. It's very nice. But yeah, no, it's just, it's utterly forgettable. And it's weird too, because you're actually right. Like most people seem to really like this movie. Like it's pretty popular online. I mean, it's a 7.0 on IMDb, which is pretty good. Most people that I've heard have had lots of positive things to say about it. So, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never seen Collateral, so I need to see Collateral. What? Yeah, I've never seen Collateral. Oh, I've heard, I've heard very good things. <laughs> uh, but as a huge fan of Heat and his other work, definitely this one did not hit for me. Dorian, Dorian, do you remember when Sam hadn't watched Heat? Yes. This is on that same level for me. Like, well, for, by the next pass of Pixels, I will watch Collateral. That, oh, that, that, that is a promise. If it's that I good, I will watch, watch it. Collateral. Uh, collateral and Heat are just, they are just two different sides of the coin for me where Michael Mann, if he made, he could have Snyder's filmography, but if he still made Heat and Collateral, <laughs> I would yeah. still be like instant classic. Put that man in the Hall of Fame. Man did everything he needed to do. Like, like that's how good both of those movies are. Like I put them like almost one a and one B because I would not be able to choose between the two of them. Well, I I feel the same way about heat that you do. So I have a feeling I'd like collateral then too. So like, (laughs) Oh my God. You tell me when, when you watch collateral and I'll fucking do it again. Like I'm always, I'll have to see if it's on, I'm I'm sure it's on something, Amazon prime, Netflix or something. I'll look it up, but then uh, yeah, I'll let you know. I'll definitely, I'm down to watch it. I love, like I said, I love Heat. So, but this movie, this movie was not it for me. I, I definitely remember watching it. It's just, it never stuck with me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why it's so popular. I mean, it's good acting performances, like you said. It's well acted. But I mean, that's the best thing I can say for the movie. I think that it might be screenplay, yeah. screenplay problems. Where I agree. looking at this, it's like the way that you just structured this movie and the way that you edit scenes together. I don't understand why I'm so confused about a movie called public enemies. Like it just sounds like it would be, Hey, this guy's robbing things and we're hunting him down. But I don't understand what it is in the editing where it just seems like we go from scenes to scene. Oh, there's a moment where they're planning a heist and then we cut immediately to the day of the heist. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Like, okay. I know that you can do that, but the way that they edit it is just so wrong because there's almost no lead up going to it. Like it's literally, Hey, we got a new job. Like, okay, cool. And then it just cuts to them walking into the bank. And I was like, what? It, why? Why? Uh, oh, I, I'll give it that compliment though. Every single time that they rob a bank, it was just supremely cool. Like effortlessly cool. Every oh, single he knows, robbery. I mean, he knows how to do heist shit. We know exactly. that. So, exactly. Like, that, that is Michael Mann's specialty. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's no gun battle through LA, but then again, how many things are? 
So it's all still stylish like that, but man, it just feels like the actual structure of this movie is wrong. Pretty much, I don't think I was emotionally invested until some absolute fucking asshole started beating up on Marion Cotillard, and I yeah. was livid. I it, it, I felt boiling in me. Like, my best friend was like, you okay? And I was like, no. <laughs> I am not. Because, like, th- she was getting bruised up. Like, they were beating, beating her ass. Oh, absolutely. Like, it was cops, too. So, like, they were interrogating her. I'm like, I need you to fuck right off now. Like, if I could find this actor, I'd punch him in the face. Like, I, just one quick punch, and I would just look at him and go, public enemies, Marion Cotillard. And I feel like he'd look up and go, I understand. Yeah, take your shot. Take you burned it. Ah, even when I'm thinking about it now, I'm just angry. <laughs> you see, this is the problem with green eyes. Okay, green eyes have ruined my life. I see that, and I'm like, <laughs> hot girl. Ah, that's my wife. Don't you fucking hit hot girl with <laughs> green <laughs> eyes. Ah. Uh, yeah, that 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 would be a, a tough. I mean, there, I mean, there are worse things in the world. So, uh, public enemies. Um. Ah. Uh, What's what score do I want to give it? You know what? I'm just gonna give it a groan out of ten. I'm I'm struggling to think of a funny answer. I, I'm just gonna give it a groan out of ten. Well, I was gonna say you should give it a watch heat or collateral instead out of ten. Oh, um, yeah. Fuck it. We're gonna change it. Watch collateral at ten. Watch collateral. No, no. Hold on. No, no. Damn it. We're gonna get the right score. Collateral is the last good movie that Michael Mann did out of ten. There we go. Beautiful. Uh, this would be like a one and a half out of five for me. Fair enough. All right. I think that's all we got for movies. Beauty. I'm gonna move on to games then. Uh, so I'm going to bundle two together here just be, for different reasons, but you'll see why in a second. Uh, no, they're, both we- they're both weeb games. Uh, I'm going to ah. talk about, sh- uh, <laughs> talk about uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne Remastered, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Uh, the all reason right. I'm bundling these together is because I don't really have a lot to say at all. Uh, Shin-, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Tensei, technically, technically this didn't make the cutoff. I missed it on last episode, but I wanted to give it a special shout out because I dropped it. Uh, I don't normally mm, drop mm. games. This game honestly it's just very dull there's not a lot of story to it it's just trying to be dark and anime and that's just depressing and i mean it was fine i don't think it was bad it was perfectly fine the problem is i was three hours into the game and already feeling that and it's a 40 plus hour game and i'm like i ain't gonna go on another days gone trip here we've learned my lesson so i was like you know what we're gonna drop this shit get out of here I don't want to play you. So I just, I, I, I mean, it's fine. I'm sure I end up trading it for a copy of Undertale. So hopefully that was a decent trade and I like Undertale more, but I think it's a safer bet than this game. Not uh, for me. If it makes you feel better, Dustin personally recommended it to me after my love for near. So, Hey, uh, Undertale or Shin Megami. Yeah. Undertale. Okay, good, good. I can't wait for that. So um, a good stamp of approval. Yeah, well, I mean, Dustin's the Weep King, so I will trust. I will trust the Weep. And then Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Uh, again, I don't really have a lot to say to this because I just started this. Uh, this is the Switch game I played after Phoenix, right? Which we'll talk about in a bit. I'm about three hours in. It's Diet Persona. I mean, I love Persona, so even Diet Persona, I'm going to chug it down. I'm enjoying it. It's fun. Got nice music. Catchy. Uh, it's, it's fluffy. It's enjoyable. It's a lot better than what I was enjoying with Shin Megami Tensei 3. Uh, I'm playing it on Switch. My Switch games, I play very slowly, so I'll have more to say when I'm, like, finished it or a good chunk into it. But, yeah. All right. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei, uh, I have nothing to add. Look, just there's persona i don't think shin megami tensei really fits a void unless you're one of the people who likes dragon quest and enjoys your old school jrpgs where you don't really need to pay attention except for the gameplay 
Like, does that seem fair? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. The whole point of the game is like the dungeon crawling aspect of it, and I mean it's stupid because it's really hard. Like it's known for being notoriously difficult, so they added in an easy mode. So it's like, okay, fuck it, I'm gonna play on the easy mode because I don't want to deal with that shit in the JRPG. Mm. But the easy mode, it's so poorly balanced. Like, so first of all, the easy mode is 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 laughably easy. Like you just click A attack and it's over. But which I wouldn't even care about that so much. The problem is they balanced it to the fact where you get less random encounters and the, the, the system to actually get the personas is so fucking random that you can't actually consistently get them. And because of they balanced it so that there's no random encounters, you can't capture new personas. It's really bad balancing. So it just, that threw me off a bit too. Oh, wonderful. Okay, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Uh, I bought that on the Wii U because I told myself, hey, it's a Japanese game of t- a crossover of what you can consider two niche games on a dead console, and I can get a pre-order for the special edition. Uh, that Yeah, stonks only go up there, so I bought it, <laughs> played it for like an hour or two, and went, ah, this is on the Wii U, and then stopped. <laughs> i'm not even joking like i played it for a little bit i was like yeah all right yeah i guess i can have another persona right now and then every single time i had to pick up the gamepad i was like i really don't want to do this and then i just stopped and i packed it up and i put it there and i was like "Ooh, in a couple of years you're gonna be worth a lot how'd that work out for you i mean i'm still waiting (laughs) (laughs) i mean we to be fair wii u prices are going up so i think you'll actually get some return on investment there uh, but yeah, basically everything you said is correct. I, I do the shout out to like the fucking opening half an hour, basically ripping off the leftovers, though. I thought that was pretty cool. So God, I don't know <laughs> how I don't remember that. When you said that, I was like, no, this is an alternate universe. You were like, they changed the Switch version. It's not Tokyo Mirage Sessions. It's Tokyo Mirage Sessions Royal or something like they changed this. I swear that there wasn't any of that. Like I need to. At that point, that was the moment where I was like, ugh. Am I going to pull this out and play it after Twilight Princess? (laughs) Am I going to let my Wii U continue to suck power from my energy bill? (laughs) And I'm just like, no, no, I'm going to pull it on switch if i can like no i'm wii u you're being put down i'm sorry yeah taken behind the shed old yeller style (laughs) an axe all right it's gonna be an axe and i'm just gonna be like do i have your attention wii u oh now i want to watch mr robot again fucking mr robot's a classic all right (laughs) uh okay uh shim to gummy tensei persona out of 10 just go get Persona and add 10. So I haven't finished Tokyo Mirage Sessions yet, and this is going to sound like shitting on it, but for both of these games, I'm going to give the score play Persona instead of 10. Shit, actually, you're right. Uh, but my Shin Megami 10, no, sorry, my Tokyo Mirage Sessions score is going to be, hey, if you have a Wii U copy, just continue to sit on it, okay? It's going to be worth stonks at some point. Out of 10. Out of 10. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to go ahead and bundle Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess HD together. Uh, Skyward Sword, I played it for like five minutes. Like I, I got in and I was like, ah, okay, this is Zelda. All right, let's get into this. Ah, this music's so good. And then I went, I have Majora's Mask on my 3DS. I still have Twilight Princess, like a save from like five years ago. I think I'm going to go finish Twilight Princess before I play Skyward Sword. So I, I had to go to the kitchen i had to grab some water i splashed it on my face i went to go sit in the corner and cry for a little bit and then i walked around in the theater room and i saw that the power cord was just slightly ejected from the wii u just so 
it would be easy for me to reconnect it, but still making sure that the Wii U isn't costing me any money to make sure that it stays powered on. I like I started looking for my Wii U gamepad and I was like, where the fuck did I put this thing? I looked for it. It was underneath my PS3, but it was behind my 4K player. So like there's a little tiny gap where it fits where it's safe from scratches, but also never in my sight. So the trial of getting the Wii U back to where it needs to be to play <laughs> was just enough for me to be like, oh my God, I hope it's worth it. I hope it's worth it. It's not, but like Twilight Prince is still enjoyable. <laughs> like every time that I look at the Wii U, I just want to get angry. I just want to get so irrationally angry because I hate that console so much. Why the fuck are all the settings tied to the tablet? Why is it that if you lose the tablet, that console is just offline? That's it. You, you can't ever go to your settings. Whatever settings were there, that's it. You're locked. You're done. Good luck trying to get your computer to spoof the Wii U tablet because apparently it uses some weird connection where I don't even think it's radio or Bluetooth or, or Wi-Fi or something. I have no idea how that connection it works. So it's emulating it is really difficult. So if you lose that gamepad, fucking dunzo like that's it whatever settings are there are locked in ether forever i fucking hate the wii u but at least twilight princess is good I, it's just nice to be back to a, a simple zelda game well simple because some of these puzzles are actually really good there was a block puzzle that actually stumped me for a little bit the a puzzle where it's a grid system and you have two guys that follow your moves where one follows you and one does the opposite of you you need to get them a certain spot the actual puzzles are good the boss fights are ridiculously epic you're not doing anything crazy it's just pretty much standard boss fights but the way that they frame it and the music how it plays all of it just fits so well to give this one its identity and that's the thing this game is easily like this game they looked at shadow of the colossus wait does that timeline work yeah wait no that, yeah, that timeline works. They looked at Shadow of the Colossus and they looked at Lord of the Rings and went, yeah, let's do that because people are still bitching about Wind Waker. We're just going to give them everything that they want. Like, this is the apology game and honestly, they just ripped off Ocarina of Time as well. Like, a lot of this is just like, ah, we're going to do gritty Ocarina of Time mixed in with Lord of the Rings and Shadow of the Colossus. And it's really weird still, though, because... Link is, like, a gorgeous-looking character. Like, you just look at him like, this is perfect. You look at Midna, and you're like, you look like a weird imp. That makes sense. This is fine. And then every other character is just a fucking mess of ugliness. It's hilarious to me, because all of them just butt ugly. So, you got this great art style, and then all of these people that look like they were living near the sewer and like it seeped into their children afterwards. Like it's just such a mess, but every single one of these boss fights that I've done so far is just awesome because all of them have two phases and the first phase you do when you're like, Oh really? That's it. Oh, that fucking sucked. Like that boss fight sucked. And then the second phase is when the epicness happens. You're like, Oh, Oh, this is where it gets special. And it's never anything too complicated like any other Zelda boss fight, but the way that they frame it and the music is just awesome. One of the boss fights that I did... Oh, by the way, fucking Link has a Beyblade in this one? I forgot that that was a thing? 
He has a fucking Beyblade, and at some point, basically, you start circling around this gigantic dome with the Beyblade, and you're jumping across trying to hit him. It's so ridiculous the way that they frame it. I love it so much. I stopped right before what I think is the last dungeon, because the last dungeon, they give you a second claw shot. And I know this, I remember this, because when they gave you a second claw shot, I lost my fucking mind, because I was like, you just turned Link into Spider-Man. This is incredible. So I stopped there knowing that whenever I get back to it, I want to be able to be sure to do the dungeon in one shot. Anytime that I save in the middle of a dungeon, I come back, I'm like, ah, shit, what was I supposed to do? So don't want to deal with that. I'm just waiting because I know I'm so excited because this is the boss fight that I remember the most when I played it on Wii when it was contemporary because this one is so ridiculously epic because I think you're trapped in a cage and you're fighting a dragon and you have two claw shots. So you're basically trapped in a cage Spider-Manning across this cage and killing a dragon and it's fucking incredible i can't wait to see it properly on my hd gamecube sound system and all that i can't wait dorian anything so i got a few thoughts um mm. first of all i'd like to defend the wii u <clears throat> it's a good console good games. all right uh, marking uh 215 to cut uh, all the way to 20 <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that's that's as far as i'll go though on the defense for the wii u uh second i i think it's actually funny funny how you say that because i'm not okay i think twilight princess is a fine game um but there's issues i have with it and i think a lot of the issues are me you mentioned it's an apology for Wind Waker. I fucking loved Wind Waker. Wind Waker is my too. favorite Zelda game of all time. But you're right. It is an apology for Wind Waker to the fucking idiots that didn't like Wind Waker. Correct. And I felt it was fine. At that point, though, I was kind of falling out of love with Nintendo, um, which I, it's still kind of to this day. I, I'm a bit more uh, willing to appreciate what they do these days somewhat. Um, but yeah, it's for me, it wasn't it was fine. It just felt like darker, grittier Ocarina of Time and Ocarina of Time already. Like, I think it's a good game, but it's to me, it fails in comparison to Majora's Mask. So, I mean, it's just kind of you take Wind Waker, you don't get something similar to that and not even something as good, in my opinion, as Majora's Mask. And it just kind of fell a little bit down for me. That being said, it is something I would definitely love to revisit. Uh, because I'm in a better place with Nintendo at this point, I'm certainly not going to go out and buy a Wii U for it though, or a Wii. Yeah. I will wait for a Switch port and pay my $70 to Nintendo uh, so I can play it. Those are my yeah. thoughts. The weird thing is that everything you said is nothing I disagree with. Yeah, it is just a ripoff of Ocarina. Yeah, Ocarina is the best. Majora's Mask is the best. Wind Waker is very good. Yes, it is. And yet something about Twilight Princess just click so well with me because i love the here's the thing i think what i really love about metal gear solid is it is a reinterpretation of american media through a japanese filter because that's pretty much what it is like kojima loves movies so he's just reinterpreting that as how he sees them and then puts it in his game twilight princess is just a japanese filter of lord of the rings mixing it in with what they know of zelda and uh, shadow of the colossus so the reinterpretation thing is just something that i like like even no 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 i can't even make that argument well 
I'll throw it out anyways. Even Automata could be seen a little bit as a reinterpretation because I'm really citing a video from obviously your favorite YouTuber, Super Bunny Hop, who did yeah. a video. <laughs> My boy. Uh, he, did, he did a video about Automata and how he talked about how now that we're, we got to the PS4 generation, we're out of the PS3 generation where the Japanese market just kind of catered. He was talking about how around the PS4 generations when the Japanese market had gotten to bounce back since they can develop a little bit easier. So now they're in a spot where they are making games in Japan that are obviously being marketed for the West. So they're trying to figure out the things that appeal to a Western gamer through their lens. So I think I just really like whenever I can get a Japanese take on what they think we as Americans enjoy. So Twilight Princess is, I feel like fits perfectly within that spot. Yeah, that's fair. I can't argue with that at all, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's all we got for these two, right? Yeah, no, I'm good. All right, uh, Skyward Sword. Uh, I'll get back to it at some point. Let me finish Twilight Princess out of 10. And Twilight Princess, uh, still in process, but so far, uh, Beyblade out of 10, let it rip. Yeah, Skyward Sword's a game I've never liked for multitude of reasons, which we won't get into right now, but that's like a 5 out of 10 for me. Uh, mm. Twilight Princess will probably be about a 6 out of 10. Mm. Oh, I, re- I realized I didn't even mention my history with Skyward Sword. Um, I tried it for two hours, and then I got hit with tutorials back to back to back, and I think I put it down, and when I came back, it I tried talking to Fee, and Fee was like, you need to do this. I'm like, I did do that. And it's like, no, you need to do this. I'm like, I did. So honestly, with Fee and how much she handholds, I'm shocked that she didn't handhold me to figure out what to do next. And I was like, I give up. I stopped. Yeah, that's fair. I, I would too. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you're up next on games. Let's talk about... Um... Here, let's do one I got a bit to say about. Uh, we'll bundle them together again. Uh, Halo 3 and Halo 3 ODST. Um. <laughs> Yeah, to, to talk some Green Man shooting aliens. Oh, green Man shooty shooty. I got my own Green Man shooty shooty after. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. We You're playing the Master Chief Collection, too. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and, and I guess I'll bundle into Halo Infinite, the uh, technical review, because I did play one game of that. Um, uh, you yeah. lucky bastard. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Halo. Uh, so, I actually played Halo 3 co-op for the first time. Um, that was fun. Really fun. I, I mean, Halo, here's the thing about Halo 3. I am so inherently biased with that game because I remember lining up for it at midnight with one of my best friends who's still a good friend of mine and be getting the collector's edition, being so fucking excited for this game, getting home, playing this game, beating it in probably a day and just adoring every second of it. I still love this game. It's still my favorite first person shooter of all time. I mean, it's just it plays so well. The story, in my opinion, in this game, which there is a story, I know it. But <laughs> the story in this game is 10 out of 10 tier to me. Like, it's just so well done. Um, it just plays like a dream. It's Bungie at the top of their game with their shooting mechanics. And then I didn't even touch any of the multiplayer, but I just remember the hours and hours and hours I spent in Halo 3 multiplayer uh, just playing away. It, it's such a fantastic game and really a watermark first person shooter game for me. And it's a genre I don't love. I say that a lot, which it's funny. We'll talk about Doom Eternal later, but I like that game too. Um, but yeah, it's just, if, if every game 
was more like Halo in terms of first-person shooters, I think I'd be a lot uh, more warm on that genre because there's just something about those games, and it's probably just Bungie with fucking amazing shooting mechanics and and their story and and the music, which I'm going to talk about in a minute with ODST. Mm. But the music in these games, oh my god, Marty McDonald's amazing. So. Yeah, they're just phenomenal experiences. As soon as you said Halo 3, what's been playing in my head is just the piano keys over and oh over again. So fucking good. It's so... Okay. There's two things that have been stuck in my head pretty much the last few days. It's those piano keys just over and over again since people have been playing Halo Infinite. Yeah, It's that... And then another one where it's a meme where someone cut up pieces of Rick Astley and he says, I'm about to say the N-word, and then he actually says the N-word. I, those are the two things that have been stuck in my head for the last week or so, and I don't understand how this works for me. Yeah, that's random. I was expecting something else Halo-related, not that. But... Nope. nope. <laughs> piano, piano keys and Rick Astley saying the N-word. Oh, that's... Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah the piano keys are amazing though <laughs> i really do love them oh my god i really do love them but yeah the, the funny thing is to playing that game co-op you don't lose a lot like it's just it's so fun and you still watch the story and it's just it adds to the experience because you just have one person playing as master chief and that one is the arbiter so i feel like once i get done with doom eternal i think i should keep going with green man shooty shoot so I'm thinking once I beat that, which, well, we'll get to that later, but I'm thinking once I get done with that, I should probably boot up Halo 3 and start playing that now because it feels like it's still gameplay focused enough and it's not like I know the story of Halo anyways, so it's not like anything's ever be really lost on me. I'm very excited to get to it because I know this is the one that everyone's like, Halo 3 saved my dog and saved me from drowning all at the same time and gave me $100 for my trouble. Like, Halo 3 is just something that I know uh, I need to get to. I really do. Yeah, I think you'll have a good experience with it. it to me, it's it, it would be baffling, absolutely baffling, if somebody can like, like really appreciate the Halo 2 campaign and not at least find some enjoyment in Halo 3. Because it just takes everything that Halo 2 does and kicks it up a little bit of a notch for me. And even if you don't end up enjoying it as much, it, it's you'll still enjoy it at least on the same level. It's just, ah, it, it's it's under perfection in terms of first-person shooters. It are as close to perfection as you can get. It's just so well done. And that'll bridge me a little bit because I want to mention Halo 3 ODST. Now, I just started playing it today. This is my first time playing it. So I don't have a ton to say on it yet. Uh, I will have more, you know, hopefully next week when I finish it. Uh, I just want to say there's something you, you, you go on the streets of New, New, New Mombasa mm. and you're kind of in you're, you're discovering this mystery of what happened to your team because you're separated from the rest of your team and you're kind of exploring and finding these clues. It, it's so anti-Halo. It's so weird to think about. And mm. while you're exploring these streets, you kind of got this music that's kind of going on in the back of your head and then the fucking saxophone kicks in and you're like, what the fuck mm. is going on? It's a religious experience. I'm loving this game so far. It's so good. Okay. Halo Noir is something that I didn't realize that our souls needed. Mm. And then Lord O'Donnell went, you do need it, though. Here's some <laughs> yeah. fucking ointment. It's a little bit of jazz. Just put it on you. It soothes you. And, oh, my God. It wasn't until, like, I think a couple of months ago that I heard, what was it? I think Deference for Darkness is the one song that everyone yeah. talks about. 
hearing that shit, I was just like, oh my god. I need to go outside when it's raining. I need to light a cigarette and just smoke. I need to wear a trench coat and just sit out there and think about a, a dead wife or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I feel like I need to have the atmosphere to listen to this. Because if not, I just... I'm disrespecting the song if I'm not in the right mood. Oh, and I, I'm a big jazz fan to begin with, but you're right. That song is great in particular. I've heard that one separate from the thing. And it's just, it blends it in so well. But yeah, Halo Noir is a good way to put it in the game. Like just, and then it kind of cuts into regular Halo. Like you'll basically find your clue and then like you kind of go to that experience of what happened with that clue. Um, and then it kind of kicks into regular Halo, but it's such a cool, interesting mix of both of them. And it's definitely not what I was expecting out of a Halo game. It's very unique. I don't know if I like it as much as the original trilogy so far, but it's it's mm. fucking cool. And like I said, that soundtrack is just amazing. Oh my God, it's so good. Hell, the, the good thing is that since it's not skippable, and, but it's already set up to be a smaller experience, then that just means that that fits perfectly. Oh, exactly. That, that They were smart, right? Like if you're going to do a side game, make it unique. Like, there's no yeah. reason you need to make Halo 3.5, and this is called Halo 3 ODST, but it's really, I mean, it doesn't feel like Halo 3. It feels like a different game, and I got to give them credit. Plus, they got really good actors for this. Nathan Fillion's in this voice acting. They've mm. got uh, Adam Baldwin. I mean, it's basically a Chuck reunion. <clears throat> it's good. I, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's definitely not what I was expecting, so that's really cool. And then just to cap it off, um, I did download, I was lucky enough to get into the Halo Infinite uh, beta. Sorry, Ed. Um, <laughs> I played one match before jumping into ODST. Uh, and I actually do kind of want to play a bit more. It was really fun. Really, It felt like Halo 3, honestly, a little bit to me. Like, it was really great. It was clean feeling. It was crisp. Um, I mean, the only complaint I had was the map felt a little bit dull to me. Like, mm. I don't know. I don't know if there'll be. I'm sure there's going to be other maps and there'll be other ones that are a little bit more cool. This one just felt a little bit plain. But the actual gunplay itself felt really good. It was a stable, like at least 60 frames per second. Apparently, it's 120. I, I, I can't tell the difference between yeah. 60 and 120. But it runs at 120 frames per second on Series X, apparently. And yeah, it, it was just it was a joy to play. And I definitely want to give it more of a shot. Halo ODST is actually the first Halo game that I played the campaign for. But I don't think I was ready for it. Because by the time that I got in there, like the opening cutscene just throws you in. And yeah. keep in mind, I had no idea about anything Halo. Like yeah. pretty much at that point, the only Halo experience that I had was split screen Halo 2 in high school. Like that's it. And so going into ODSD, it just like, hey, grab your helmets, move on. And like, I'm like, what is going on? And keep in mind, I had no impression of what Halo was. So with everyone that what they talked about Halo, I always thought that it was way more Mass Effect than it was G.I. Joe. Like, I always thought that it was kind of like very serious, grounded sci-fi. And then I remember playing Halo 1 and 2 and thinking, oh, wait these are goofy like they're campy these are fun like they're not really that hard hitting so i was like oh okay i know that now i didn't know that then because i remember playing this like where the fuck is the story like, i don't know what's going on here and eventually i didn't know how to play the game i didn't understand strafing so i was just playing this shit like it was call of duty it was like this like, I don't know, this isn't working. So I dropped it down to easy and just started mailing everything because it was hilarious to me to start hitting <laughs> all the elites and going, oh. The mailing in Halo will never not be fun. Exactly. So I just remember putting it down on easy and then at some point I just dropped it and I was like, ah, whatever, I'm just going to play Horde. 
by the way, the, the way that I was playing this was I was over at someone's house. They had a 360 and literally they only had ODST, no other games. So I was like, ah, sure, why not? I'm bored. I'll try this. So yeah, that, that's that my only experience. Sense. Yeah, I was gonna say Halo 3 ODST is not the game you want to start with in the Halo universe. <laughs> exactly. So I can't wait to get there. And that is mostly because of deference of darkness or darkness of reference. I don't know. I already fucked up the title. But just that one song was like, OK, I can't wait to get there because I need to hear this soothing jazz for my soul. Yeah, I think you'll be in a different place now. And I actually think you're really going to like this game because it's it's cool. Like, I, I mean, if nothing else, you'll just play the music and drop it to easy and just jive on that, I think. <laughs> what, what, what? Ah! <laughs> yeah, the music of uh, elites dying to your <laughs> Oh, my God. I just hear the smooth jazz and just. Yeah. What, what, what? <laughs> so good uh, so good but, but yeah halo, halo love them they're great games i'm excited for you to try odst halo infinite uh poot gave me a key and i yeah. thought it was gonna work but no my actual xbox live account has to be the one that got chosen so i downloaded i tried to boot up i signed in it's like hey you're not on the list i was like no i have the key i'm in the list i'm a good boy damn it yeah i felt bad for you honestly that would have been uh I mean, you would probably get more enjoyment out of it than I do it because you, you actually are more uh, into multiplayer than I am. So that's sad. But hope I mean, if you register now, you could probably get him for the next set of flights. So I already did. There you go. Yeah. Hopefully you're in the next set then. All I know is that after I got really sad about that, I just started turning on Halo 2 and Halo 3. And I'm glad that since I haven't played in a while, it started putting me in very favorable lobbies. And I was fucking destroying. And I was like, oh, okay. This feels good, at least. I was playing a <laughs> Halo 2 map, and I had like 13 or 14 kills with just a sword. And it wasn't even a good map for the sword. I mean, I hate to say it, but all the hardcore fans are probably playing Infinite right now. So you just uh, got the scrubs uh, you're playing with. Fuck! <laughs> ah, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, scrubs. <laughs> but at least it's a uh, noob noob farming season. So you got that. Going. Uh, <laughs> all my accomplishments gone. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, so definitely enjoyed those games. Uh, I mean, I guess you're gonna jump right into Master Chief Collection after this. So I'll, I'll go ahead and score things now, and then you can kick it over to your stuff. But uh, Halo Three is a nine out of ten game for me uh it's uh, like i said it's a seminal classic it's one of my top 15 games of all time for sure uh, i mean everyone should experience it and then yeah i've finished odst and uh obviously i'm finished beta so i won't score them yet okay uh halo 3 is gonna be a I, I'm, I'm gonna get there out of 10 and please for the love of god figure out cross-platform co-op out of 10 oh my god yeah halo 3 odst is gonna be a a smooth jazz uh while beating up one of the elites out of 10 halo infinite test beta is going to be a bring down this wall you cowards out of 10 <laughs> I like it. After this, no, I did not put the Master Chief Collection on this list. I feel like since I've talked about Halo 2 enough that everything that I've said about multiplayer-wise, I don't think there's anything else I need to say. It was the other green man that I have on this list. Doom Eternal. Oh, we, we got a crossover. Let's go. Oh, all right. So Doom Eternal, I think the last time I played it, it soft-locked on me. No, hold on. Was it? The, no. No, 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 no. I think it was within the last two weeks. So still within the recording for this episode. Doom Eternal, I was playing it. I was enjoying ripping and tearing, whipping and tearing. And then at some point, it soft locked on me. And I died. I came back and a door that should have opened didn't open. 
I tried turning off the console. I tried booting back in. And basically, my save locked that door. And I would have to restart the level. And I just dropped it and went, yeah, I can't do this right now. I don't want to redo this level. I lost about an hour of progress, and I don't think I'm in the mood to redo it. And that's actually what sent me spiraling to not figure out what I wanted to play, which had me starting Skyward Sword, and then eventually led me to the horrific endpoint, which was playing my Wii U. So, <laughs> Doom Eternal, thank you. You actually literally sent me to hell. Wii U. Thanks, Doom. <laughs> yeah. But within the last few days, I was looking at just my games, and I was like, ah, you know what? I want to play something for an hour. I don't think there's anything I can do. That last dungeon in Twilight Princess is probably going to take me longer than that. Majora's Mask, I have no idea how long it's going to take me for me to get to the next point that I could, you know, get a good stopping point to. I guess a level of Doom Eternal is in order, and I don't know what it was. I think it's because the last time that I played Doom Eternal, I played it in such, like, close bursts that I wasn't really letting the I guess muscle memory kick in, but man, when I picked up Doom Eternal this time, I was just fucking killing it. Like I'm still on hard difficulty, but I found it so much more easier to rip and tear this time. And it was so weird to me because like this feels like I should bump up the difficulty again. Like I think my brain just clicked into how to play this properly. I'm thinking no, no, no. Don't up the, up the difficulty. The game is just going to get harder. Just let it keep going. But man, it felt really weird that I just understood it better. Yeah, I'm here with you. So I'm playing. So I finished Doom Eternal um, <clears throat> with uh, same as Ed. Or you haven't finished it yet, but yeah, I finished it. Right. I'm playing it, though. Same as you. Um, And, you know, I got to say, so I played it in a normal. I'm, I'm not as big of a god gamer as you, um, especially when it comes to first-person shooters. So I'm like, no, nah, we're just going to do a normal. Plus, I hear how hard this game is. And not only that, plus Doom 2016, I played a normal, and I really struggled with it in normal. And I did finish it eventually on normal. I forced myself to, but I had a mm. hard-ass time with that game. Doom Eternal, I honestly, I didn't have nearly as hard of a problem with you. I'm with you there. Once it kind of clicks... The game sort of just clicks and I feel like it's very smartly designed in the fact that there's always resources for you. Like if you're ever dying, you just go chainsaw guy, get some ammo, get some help and you fucking dash and survive and yeah. you can continue to cycle and do that. And if you're smart, you really, you're never in fear of death as long as you continue to do that. And it's smart. It's so well made. It, it's just completely fluid. Um, I'm playing. Are you playing on the uh, 60 uh, FPS ray tracing mode? No, gotta get that 120. No, you're doing the 120 hertz, uh, 120 FPS. Okay, all right. So there's a difference between us. So I'm, I'm playing moving on the 60... so fast that I don't need to see reflections. Honestly, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So I'm doing the 60 FPS ray tracing, but it's great on there. It's a fucking rock solid 60 frames per second. Hmm. Um, and yeah, the game's just oh my god. It's it was such a fun game, especially for again someone who's not a, a big first person shooter guy. But when they nail it, they nail it. And the music in this game, the soundtracks, the heavy metal, it, just, it makes you want to rip and tear, man. Like, it's just, it's so great. And then now you haven't gotten to the Marauder yet, right? Correct. I think that might be my next play session. Uh, Ooh, fun, also, fun, speaking fun. about sound design, the fucking ballista, whenever I shoot oh, yes. that thing, oh my, my subwoofer is like, oh, you want me to work today, don't you? And I'm like, oh. The gun oh, sounds in that game are so good. Like they, they just they got the right <clears throat> to them, uh, and that ballista specifically is fantastic. But yeah, no, like everybody, I remember, I remember it being a big thing. Like, oh, wait till you get to the Marauder. Wait till you get to the Marauder. You're gonna hate your life when you get to the Marauder. Now again, I'm playing on normal. I beat him first try. 
And it just it, the Marauder, if you know what you're doing and you're smart about it, it's not that bad. There's an enemy later on that basically acts as like a fucking totem and just starts buffing all of the other demons around oh you. Oh my god. He's a fucking asshole, that enemy. He is the hardest enemy by far in that game to me. He's worse than the fucking Marauders. I don't know why nobody talks about him. But the fucking Marauders themselves, like, they're really cool. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't even have that big of an issue with them. So, yeah, it's just, it's a smart, really, it's just, they took 2016 and they're like, how can we evolve this formula? Because they could have just made 2016 part two and people would have been real fucking happy with that. Yep. But they actually took it and made it feel better in every way to the point where if I tried to go back and twenty play 2016 now, I don't think I'd like that game. Yes, I agree. Honestly, every time that I think about the flow and the dance of Doom Eternal, I think of the cover. And if you can just reenact that cover every <laughs> single time that you're playing yeah. the game, you're going to succeed. Well, actually, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the Steelbook cover, but yeah, I know. I think I know. Which oh, oh. oh, the steelbook cover is gorgeous. Steelbook is fucking beautiful, man. I love that steelbook. That's a great steelbook. No, no, but just the standard cover where uh, the Doom Slayer is like in mid stride and shooting a demon. Like, if you can reenact oh, okay. basically yeah. that in the middle of every single encounter, you're going to do great. Well, and it's so funny too because everybody did describe it before I played it as you have to do the dance. It's like, fuck, I hate that term. That sounds so stupid. But then you actually play it and you're like, okay, yeah, there is a dance. It makes sense because yes. you are. You're dashing around. You're dancing. You're basically, it's almost like you're following the rhythm, rhythm of the fucking heavy metal music and just kind exactly. of skipping around as you go. And it's so smart because, yeah, the game teaches you. Like, if you stand still for a second in that game, you're going to die. Like, yep. in every one of my deaths, not one of them felt unfair. It was like, okay, I fucked up. I stood still. Like, I did this wrong. This is my fault. I'm dead. And I mm-hmm. love that because I'll talk about a game in a minute called Psychonauts. There were so many deaths in that game that were fucking bullshit and that actually mm-hmm. pissed me off. And that's the type of shit that makes me want to smash my controller against the wall. But in something like Doom Eternal, when you're like, oh, man, I'm fucking stupid. Why did I do that? I appreciate that. You are the ballerina of death in Doom Eternal, and God, is just Swan Lake going to kick so much ass this year? (laughs) I agree. (laughs) That's all I got for Doom. Just, ah, it's still the same score. It's rip and tear out of 10, and oh, that soft lock really hurt out of 10. (laughs) Uh, I ended up giving it an 8 out of 10, and that's actually good enough for fourth place on my 2020 list. So I expect Mm. them on the reprints to add that to the boxer. Uh, Addy Holic's fourth place of 2020. Doom Eternal. Well, the problem is, is that they're never going to reprint it since they got bought by Xbox. And as we know, and Doom Xbox has game. no games. Exactly. So I'm very sad can't... that the Doom franchise is dead. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. I'm so sorry that uh, Marty Stratton got fired. Oh, man. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. They didn't have to execute him afterwards, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all I got for games. We were driving from here. Oh, boy. Okay. So there's a couple I want to talk about in depth, but we'll do these first. So Psychonauts. I'll I'll actually jump into Psychonauts because I mentioned it. Uh, Psychonauts, very dated feeling game. Uh, It's good. It's not great. There are plenty of issues with it. Uh, The controls are really bad. When I die in a game and it's my fault, I'm not mad at it. So Returnal was another great instance. Like I died a lot in Returnal. It's a hard Mm. game for me. I did rage uninstall it once, but again, it was my (laughs) fault. So I kind of understood it. Psychonauts, it's so clunky to control that it's really not your fault a lot of the times and you still die. You're like, well, this is bullshit. This is unfair. And the and it all comes to a head in the last level. 
If you can find one person that enjoys that last level called the Meat Circus, then Godspeed, because they are a fucking bigger fanboy than I am for anything. <laughs> that level is one of the worst designed fucking levels in a video game ever. And and that's maybe unfair because maybe it's not the level itself, but the level just could not work with the fucking controls they were given. It's awful. You have to be absolutely pinpoint accurate on every single movement of that controller or you fucking die. Fuck that level. All that aside... The actual characters, the story, the world building, that stuff was all pretty cool. I really like that universe. Uh, there's a level that's very famous in this game called the Milkman Conspiracy. It's fucking hilarious, and it's actually the best part of the game by far for me. Um, I love Tim Schafer. I think his humor's bang on. Uh, I am still going to try Psychonauts 2 because I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that the controls are going to be fucking better in this game and updated. But yeah, for me, this game was just... It just felt very old. There's nothing I can add here because Psychonauts is literally just one of those names that I go, ah, yes, that's a video game. And then my brain just stops from there. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to wrap it up. Not a ton to say on that game. Good, not great. Six out of ten. Uh, I heard Tim Schafer's a good man out of ten. I do like Tim Schafer. Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, Phoenix Wright, Justice for All. Um, so Phoenix Wright I like. Uh, I like a lot. Um, the first game was good um close to really good Uh, i just had some issues with it a couple of the cases were a little bit weaker for me a bit of background phoenix Wright is basically a trilogy of games although there's a bunch of them now Uh, but it was originally a trilogy of games for the ds uh, where you basically play as a lawyer who shouts objection and you get to win cases and get bad guys in jail and stuff and it's very fun murder mystery super fun visual novel uh, second, so they're all three of them are on switch. It's a really good switch game. So I finished justice for all, which is the second game. Um, and actually I enjoyed it a lot more than the first game. I think it's really banging. They're funny. Like the games are genuinely funny and it takes a lot for me to actually laugh out loud in the games, but there were some moments in this one that had me fucking giggling like a hyena. Good shit. The story in this game was great. Like I really, the last case was probably the weakest for me, but up mm. until that point, it was good. Like I was enjoying every case. They had really cool mysteries in them. I like the results and then the overarching, there's always like one overarching story that kind of stretches across the entire between all the cases. And this one was really cool in this game. And yeah, the characters were really good. It was just, ah, I really enjoyed it. I always look at this game and I keep thinking my 3ds is right there. I should probably play them at some point. But then again, every time I look at my 3ds, I'm just like, Ah, but I'm home. I don't know if I want to play you. And literally the only thing that's convinced me to play a handheld is pretty much Zelda right now. So like, I look at it and I'm like, I know that I should play and I just never get around to it. Maybe whenever this hellscape ends and then my hellscape begins, if I ever end up going back to the office... That's probably when I'll play it and I'll be so fucking miserable that I might need something to make me laugh because if not, I'll just probably cry endlessly whenever I have to go back into the office. So this is one where it's like this is super off to the distance whenever I end up playing it because uh, for the most part, like I just missed out everything on DS and 3DS that there's a lot of games I probably need to check out that were on there. And Phoenix Wright is absolutely one of them. Yes, I know I could play them on the other consoles. Uh, if a game was designed 
with a DS in mind, I feel like I want to play it there. Yeah, that's totally fair. And it definitely was designed with the DS in mind, although they do port it nicely to the Switch. It's interesting, though, because it's it's kind of frustrating. So I'll finish Phoenix Wright. I'm going to start after Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I'm going to do Phoenix Wright 3. And then they just mm-hmm. released the Great Ace Chronicles, which I bought for Switch, uh, which is another two Phoenix Wright spinoff games. But there's like another three or four, I think, in like the main storyline. But those are basically locked to 3DS. So, hmm. and I mean, eventually they might end up porting them out, but yeah, right now I would have no way to play them because I don't have a fucking 3DS and good luck getting a fucking 3DS right now. Yeah. They're fucking impossible to find. So it'll suck because there'll be a point where I'll be like, well, I'm fucked. I can't play any more of these games and it's too bad because I enjoy the series. Have they been in danger of falling a little bit too samey or do you think that you're parsing them out enough that it's not a problem or do you even think that if you back to back them, it'd be fine? No, if I back to back them, I'd fucking hate my life. No, they definitely, <laughs> they definitely do feel very similar to me to the, but it's perfect for me though, because I play my switch like an hour or two a night. So I don't play it that often. So it's a very slow pace for me with my switch. I just started Tokyo Mirage session. That's like a 30 to 40 hour game. So I think by the time I actually, that's short. Yeah. It's not a long one. Tokyo Mirage session. It's not super long, but I'll play it at a slow pace. So by the time I actually get to Phoenix right three, I think I'll be fine. And then once I can start the great, ace attorney those are actually in 3d and added a lot of new changes so i think i'll actually start to see some of the changes and that'll freshen up the formula a little bit but if i would absolutely not if like if i was like just doing one to two to three back to back to back i think i'd hate my life okay fair enough then yeah i'll probably end up keeping that in mind because i'm pretty sure i would immediately try to back to back them like oh wait this is the same game just different cases Okay, never yeah. mind. <laughs> there's really there's like a couple of small differences between one and two like in one like in two you can be basically in one you could present evidence right and just be like objection here's this evidence right and there's like items you can use for evidence and mm. two they add the ability to actually like look at people's profiles and use the person themselves as evidence so that was like a change but besides that there's no time oh hell yeah straw manning in a court case i'm in <laughs> exactly so but yeah i really enjoyed phoenix ray justice for all fun visual novel game i mean it's not on the level of something like danganronpa to me which is like top tier visual novel and even uh, ai the somnium files but this mm. was really good so i give it a 7.5 out of 10 all right i'm gonna give it a i might need a recommendation for what the second best game in the series is so i can play that one so if i like it i can then move on to the best one and then probably just put it down until i itch for another entry out of 10 Ah, that's a review. I like it. <laughs> All right. Um, and then saving the best for last, um, mm-hmm. I have Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite, which we're going to bundle oh, together. Oh, Daddy Levine. Back to Daddy Levine. Oh. I did finish Bioshock 1. I mean, I Bioshock 1 is a masterpiece, and I'll circle back to it because I played the Infinite DLC for the first time. So trust me, we'll circle back to it. I'm going to um, throw out my headphones as soon as you start talking about that because I'm still completely in the dark about all of that. You've never played the DLC either. Oh, that that's the thing. I just was always cheap about buying DLC. Like literally the only DLC that I bought that was like single player was, I don't know, maybe something for Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and then left behind for The Last of Us. Like I did not buy DLC and I still really don't. Edwin, you know me. I hate well, I know. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to yeah. say. Trust me. You're going to be like, it's one of the fucking greatest and, things yeah. ever. And here's the thing. The good thing is, too, you yeah. don't have to pay for it either. It's free. Yeah, I, know, I have it. I have it. Don't worry. Yeah. I got it physically, too. I will talk a little bit about that. But, yeah, you can put your headphone down and I'll be very brief with it. I won't go into detail, but that's good. Okay. Thank you for warning me, though, because I would have just fucking said something. So I, appreciate <laughs> I mean, I'm still going to edit anyway, so. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, I'll, I'll be 
I will be less spoiler with it. Anyways, uh, we'll start with Bioshock 2, uh, worse for last. So the thing with mm. Bioshock 2 is here's the funny thing about it. This game isn't bad. It's not a bad game by any means. It's actually, I think it's pretty good. It's just you take a game that was never meant to be made. You kind of make something that doesn't need to exist, but then you put really good gameplay and fun combat elements in it and you get a good game out of it. It's just you're following Bioshock. <laughs> <laughs> exactly you're following my second favorite game of all time so i mean the game's perfectly fine it's fun and like i said the combat might even be a little bit better than the original i played them back, pretty close to back to back um and it's fun like the plasmids are great in it like it's a really good game for the most part it just doesn't hit even close to the same highs as bioshock one does for the story you haven't heard this no one's heard this yet because the episode isn't live yet but the episode that i did about the before trilogy with sam I talked about Boyhood and how I think Boyhood was the movie I watched immediately after Whiplash. And Whiplash is my favorite movie of all time. So there was no chance that Boyhood was ever going to come out unscathed. And I think that's what Bioshock 2 is. Where it's like, yeah, Bioshock 2. You probably have merit, but there's a 2 in your name. You're yeah. fucking up already from a baseline point. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. And it's just Ken Levine's not involved. And you definitely feel that. It's it, it's actually so exactly to the point I was saying with The Conjuring 2 and The Conjuring the Devil made me do it. You take James Wan out of the picture, you get it's fine. It's just nothing spectacular. Hmm. Same thing with Bioshock 2. You take one of the best gaming talents like Ken Levine out of the picture, you get that. And it's not bad. It's not a bad game at all. It's just you can't even come close to living up to that potential. And it's unfortunate because, you know, you could have had one of the greatest trilogies of all time. Now, you've still got two of the best games of all time, in my opinion. But you're missing that third one because of Bioshock 2. Oh, well, it's okay. We still have the Metal Gear Solid. Um, yeah. It's trilogy, no matter how you want to cut it. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, Bioshock 2, good game, not great. It's a 6.5 out of 10 for me. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, from here, uh, Bioshock 2 for me is a... I tried playing Prey, and I went, oh, wait, I should probably go play Bioshock 2 instead. <laughs> and then I remember even back then when I tried to play Bioshock 2, I went, oh, man, I just played Bioshock 1. I don't want to do this out of 10. <laughs> it's like it's a time loop. You just keep going back to it. <laughs> same, exactly. Cycle. <laughs> but Bioshock Infinite now. Oh, my God. Oh. Bioshock Infinite. Oh, my God. It's there are very few games that can just you kind of get and you start a game. And from the very opening seconds, you're captivated. Yep. Bioshock did it, and Bioshock Infinite does it. And here's the biggest negative I have about Bioshock Infinite. Are you ready for it? The mm. biggest fucking negative I had about this game is I guess I don't like Columbia quite as much as I like Rapture. <laughs> and I fucking love Columbia. That's my biggest knock on this game. But the opening, when you're fucking going up the tower and you make it to Columbia for the first time and you got the fucking Barbershaw Quartet singing to you. Oh, my fucking God, Mr. Levine. Just take my money and make a new game already. Daddy so Levine, good. I know you're listening. I know you're the biggest <sighs> fan of Passive Pixels. Get us codes, please. Oh, my God. I can't wait for whatever he's working on. But yeah, In Infinite's a fucking masterpiece, man. Like, from the moment the game starts until the conclusion, and I do think this game ends stronger than 1-2, it's just an absolute masterpiece along the way. The gameplay's great. I mean, one minor quibble I have is I feel like some of the plasmids aren't as cool in this game as they were in the first one, and there's not as many of them. But the ones that they have in there are very effective. I mean, apparently this was supposed to originally have some um, immersive sim elements in it, and those got cut, mm -hmm. which Ken Levine wasn't too happy about. 
I mean, you can definitely feel that in some places, but man, the game is so good. The story is so intelligent. The, the story is so much more intelligent than you would think. Like, it's just yep. something that you don't normally see in the medium of video games. And it's like a Kojima. It's like he's he's fucking doing this smart social commentary on shit and he's putting it in a fucking video game that's amazing. And the the world needs more people like Ken Levine, honestly, making games. They really do. Bioshock Infinite is such a classic. I just remember playing that game and it, I just feel always so bad for it because it's like, man, Bioshock Infinite is a landmark. The Last of Us came out in the same year. I, yeah. I just, it's always just so painful to me to look at Infinite and be like, man, I'm so sorry that you're always going to have it's that true. as a little asterisk to your name when people look at 2013. It's like, Bioshock Infinite, how is it that you didn't? Oh, oh yeah like it, it's easily once again my citation point that i always keep using breaking bad in game of thrones at, at the emmys yeah it's so unfortunate like you literally for me you've literally got my first favorite game of all time in the last of us and then infinite's like my sixth or my seventh like it's so unfair and those both came out in the same year any other game any other year that game is a fucking show in for my game of the year almost yep. any other year but then here's fucking Last of Us to fucking steamroll everything. Saunters in just like, <laughs> ah, y'all want to see me upgrade the fucking narrative of video games? <laughs> it's so unfair because Infinite is just so spectacular in every single goddamn way. What a beautiful game. And... Okay, so I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna mention a bit about the DLC. So wait, wait. One know. thing I want to say: Songbird oh, okay. is so fucking cool. Oh my god! Yes, 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 yes. Talk about Songbird. Songbird is oh. fucking fantastic. So good. After I beat the game, I really wanted a Songbird plushie, but at that point, I didn't really have the money for it, and then I let it go. I know that at this point, I've cooled on Infinite, where like I don't feel as passionate about it, but I know it's just as good. I'm pretty sure when I replay it, I'm going to be as fervent as I was back then, and at that point, I'll be like, why didn't I get the summer plushie? <laughs> oh my god. It's so... And and the funny thing is, too, I remember playing that when I was a kid. Well, not a kid, but younger. I guess I was a kid. <laughs> Close to a kid, but I remember playing it. And I'm just being like, man, I wish I could fucking use Songbird. And then you get to fucking use Songbird at the end. You finally get to do it. Uh, this game is so good. It's it's just, it's a masterpiece. It really is. It's so good. Okay. Uh, it, it, I was about to say Halo Infinite. <laughs> Bioshock Infinite is, uh, fuck it, that's going to be the score. Halo out of 10. It's just, it, Halo is good. Infinite is good. Bioshock's good. Halo out of 10. Yeah, it's, it's a 9 out of 10 for me. So. Uh, so, go to the DLC. Yes, I'm going to mention the DLC quick. Again, I, I'm going to give pity to you because I don't want to spoil anything for you. You need to go into this unspoiled. So all I'm going to say is this very simply. The fact that they managed to take this game and then you, you play Infinite and when you get to the end of the game, you kind of you, you kind of scratch the surface of like, okay, and by the way, we're going full spoilers now, people. But you kind of get the you kind of scratch the surface of, okay, there's all these different lighthouses in the universe and every lighthouse is different. And then you kind of end up in this one lighthouse that's Rapture. But then they take the DLC and you kind of go back to Rapture. And you kind of get to experience some things that tie everything together in one pretty little bow. And it's like, holy fuck, did he plan this from the beginning? 
Because, Mr. Levine, if you planned this from the very beginning of Bioshock, from the very first fucking scene, and you end infinite like that, you are a fucking genius. Like, I already think you're a genius, but you are next level genius because that is some crazy smart shit. So, I mean, I can't believe it took me this long to play the DLC. I hate DLC. And not even because of the money factor. Just when I finish a game, I want to move on. I don't want to go back to it. But, man, I mean, I waited, what, four, five, eight years. I waited eight years to do it. We finally did it. And, man, those eight years were worth it because that was an experience and something that, I mean, you should experience if, if you're a fan of Bioshock Infinite or, or especially the first Bioshock. So, yeah, that was definitely really cool. And just to finally be able to kind of put a bow on that. And I'll tell you this. It made me even more just say 2K, I don't want your new Bioshock game, please. Yep. Please. Open world Bioshock. Please. Yep. No. No. No, God. No. Michael Scott. No. I, I want you to know that they heard that and it went, oh. So two of them, right? Yeah, probably. DLC two and fucking season pass. Players the big daddy in the season pass. Oh, Pre-order okay. and get a songbird skin as a tattoo in the multiplayer suite. Uh, I want to die. But yeah, it's spe- like I already didn't want it. But then I finished the infinite DLC. I'm like, no, this is perfect. It ended on such a beautiful no. Do not touch this. You do not have Ken Levine making this game. And they're still going to touch it anyways. Yeah, they hate me. So, but Mr. Levine, whatever you're working on, you're not going to hear this, but for God's sakes, man, please, please, I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. I'm so excited. Just know that the video game industry hates all of us. Yes, they do. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I really have nothing to add because, honestly, I didn't buy the DLC initially. uh, When I saw the collection for 20 bucks on Black Friday, like six or seven years ago, I went, yeah, perfect. I'll do that. And I got it on PS4, and I sat on it, and I just went, I still need to play Bioshock 2. I'm still going to play the DLC. And then we fast-forwarded now, and I've been saying this shit over and over and over again. And hell, it probably doesn't help that I'm going to try the copy of Prey that I got you for, like, uh, <laughs> because, like I'm looking at Prey now. I'm like, ah, you know what? I haven't thought about Bioshock in a while. This might be the best chance that prey has to impress me again so yeah I, i'm gonna be interested to hear your thoughts on i'm right there with you man the problem is prey is a really hard game to get into like i'm right there with you because where you stop is kind of honestly where i was at at that point in the game I'm like man do i want to keep going with this like is this gonna be a draw for me because it just it takes a long time to kind of rear up and get going and then it just kind of dumps the entire game at you at once and it doesn't really give you much direction you kind of got to figure things for yourself out, which is not really the best way I think they could have done that. But then it gets really good. So, it does take so in other time. words, it's probably going to end up the exact same way, except oh, this yeah, time I actually jump over to Bioshock 2. Yeah, you're fucked. You're probably going to be going to Bioshock 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bioshock Infinite DLC is a... I was poor then out of 10. No, sorry, I was poor then, and then I finally got money and got it, and I still haven't played it, but I'll get there eventually out of 10. Believe it or not, I don't score DLC, so I, w- I won't subject your ears to that. I will say that it's, a, please, for the love of God, Ken Levine, 
sabotage 2k server so they don't release that bioshock and release your game soon so i can experience more of your absolutely fantastic narrative design out of town would you classify it as essential for bioshock the dlc yes if you're a fan of the first game yes yeah you know what i'll take it as essential good enough for me and i know that sounds weird but I actually have a friend who fucking hate. I know he's a friend. He hates Bioshock 1, uh, which I don't understand, but he fucking loves Infinite. I will never understand this man and his taste. But the reason I say that specifically is the DLC doesn't really cater more towards Infinite. It does cater more towards part one. So, I mean, if you somehow are like my friend, shout out to you, you dumbass. But if you're like him Jess. and... And you just, you like, and you don't like part one, then I could see maybe the DLC not really hitting the right chord for you. But if you're like the normal people out there and you like part one and you like infinite, then the DLC is a rare case of being absolutely essential. Yes. I need to Google something. Are crucifixions <laughs> allowed in Canada? <laughs> Yeah, if they are, join me. They're not. They are not. Uh, um, apparently, it's saying that with COVID restrictions, they've pulled back uh, on it. Ah, what a shame. I mean, if we did it and apologize and said sorry, we could probably get away with it. You're right. You're right. You know what? We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it off online. Yeah, figure it off offline. <laughs> okay. Was that it? Was that the list? I think so. I'm done. I'm clean. Oh, my God. We even got a fucking special episode snuck in here, and it's a normal runtime. Perfect. I know. I'm, I'm happy with that. GG. Ah, shit. End card. There we go. End card. Hey, look at you. You got to the end of the episode. From episode zero to the day that I finally get lazy and cancel the show, a big thank you to Joey Rawlings for providing the perfect name for the show. Be sure to always give him thanks, either out loud as you're listening to this, or you can just send him a thank you tweet at boogeyman117 underscore. That's boogeyman117, I-E instead of Y, double O. Be sure that it's an underscore, not a dash, 117. <coughs> I'm cutting that out. Don't die. Ah, oh, I hope so.